This week on the Jock and Nerd Podcast, we're breaking down the James Gunn announcement, revealing the DC Studios' first 10 projects. Geek Boner! Plus, we got a listener-sponsored review of The Deer Hunter, your suggestions for future movie tournaments and drafts, The Last of Us, and more, all in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Monday, February 6th, 2023. This is Frank Grillo. You know me. But who are you? Are you the discerning, sophisticated type of person who enjoys all the latest comic book and superhero TV and movie news? Pop culture references, witty banter? Me neither. I'm just here for the dick jokes. Check. Check one. All right. This is Roy Crabbs out there. Let's give it up. Oh, what's up, listener? How you doing? Thanks for joining us, and welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we give you comic book and superhero TV and movie news, reviews, and whatever we choose. Jock and Nerd! My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the Jock. He's the Nerd. Joining us, a fella who is also filled with a lot of gas and aimlessly kind of floats over the country. Uh, but they don't shoot him down. We call him Rug Boy. What's up, Rugs? Yeah, they just leave me up here. I'm just dangling, observing <laughs> the world. But I'm not the size of three school buses. I'm I'm a size of the three of the sm- shorter school buses. Can I tell you, I was bummed out. <laughs> I was bummed out they shot that balloon down. I mean, I just started following it on TikTok. It was really funny. It was bringing joy to people. People who step outside of the house. They're like, hey, look, there's that balloon. There's the. It brought the country together. Also... I used to work for a balloon delivery and decorating service. I have inflated quite large balloons, not that big, but like real big balloons. And uh, every time a balloon pops, a little part of me dies. That's all still to this day. So can you believe that shit, though? Like, they just let it. They just like, don't they have like a, a shit like like Batman does that could go and take the balloons like he took the Joker's balloons? I would say nice like, shot to the fighter pilot, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but like hitting it, like I, I saw the meme. balloon. I saw a meme or something online. Well, first off, they were saying, I guess that if they shot it down, there was a big balloon and there could like land on people or whatever. Yeah, do it over the water. It was smart. Sure, but they didn't well, have but to. The sh- thing is, there was a there's a meme that was going people like celebrating. It was a picture of like people in a military war room celebrating and it was like you shot down the balloon the balloon after it spied over the entire u.s <laughs> yo shout out to canada yeah. who just like was like well we don't see no balloon that's all right keep going i mean it went over canada they didn't do anything wow do you think this bodes well or, or uh, but, what I, yeah what is this i don't know who's the act of whatever here's the thing we get shit from china all of, isn't all our shit from china coming in on boats so if it's on a boat it's fine but if it's on balloon uh, no good i don't know I don't get wait, it. Wait, what do you, Imran, what the, you're, you're making a weird equivalency there. I'm saying uh, we're, oh, there's all this shit like, from China here anyways. Oh, you're saying there could be cameras and all that stuff? <laughs> yeah. They'd be there. Oh, okay. You know. I think they just did it to see what you would do. Maybe. They're like, they're like, let's see how much we could fuck with these guys. Like, let's see how like weak their leadership is. Let's see what they how they act. Because they might try and bullshit to do something else again. Like, you never know. Like. Why would they, they? Why would we leave it up there for like three or four days? It's a pretty balloon, you know. It I, I've you. read that what they're doing. Well, the first off, it looks like they're 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 trying to spy, obviously. Um, 
and you know they're denying that it was just an accident or whatever. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to push us to see how much, how far we'll go because they really eventually want to evade Taiwan, and these they're wanting to see if we have the guts to really defend Taiwan. Or maybe they yeah. just lost track of a balloon. Listen, I've inflated. <laughs> Look, they're five, still mad maybe. at John Cena. Okay, <laughs> I've inflated balloons that are like five feet big, like almost as big as a person. And by the end, it's hard. You got to hold that thing down. It will take you away, and then you tie it off. Like they're unwieldy. Sometimes you just lose a balloon, and you're like, "Oops, I don't know. The wind took it. Sorry." <laughs> Anyways, we're not here to talk about balloons. Rest in peace, balloon. Uh, we do have a lot of fun things to talk about in a deep movie to review let's get to it you bastards the jock and nerd podcast well as everyone predicted last week we were right the the james gunn and the peter saffron did come out with their new plan for dc universe their new slate holy shit oh shit uh in the form of a james gunn video Kind of a six-minute video, and guys, I thought we could just use James Gunn video. We'll play it, we'll pause it, and we'll comment on, let's have him announce these things for us okay. to lead our discussion, right? Okay, here we go. Hey, everybody, I'm James Gunn. I'm the co-CEO of DC Studios. So as many of you know, DC has been disconnected in film and television for a long time. And it's one of... No shit. Yeah, dude, he's been talking shit about <laughs> DC, uh, and apparently this has ruffled some feathers, because... He was like, they don't have their shit together. It's a big fucking mess. You know, our jobs, mine and Peter's, is to come in and make sure the DCU is connected in film, television, gaming, and animation. Wow. That the characters are consistent, played by the same actors, and it works within one story. Great. And Good if something is yeah. outside of that, okay. like Matt Reeves' Batman or Todd Phillips' Joker or Teen Titans' Go, that it is clearly labeled as DC Elseworlds, outside okay. of that the mainstream sense. DCU continuity. Plus, that's interesting. Well, okay, you got two things here. He said he's going to make everything consistent, which is like, if he can do it, awesome. Right. Like, I don't see it happening. But he's got an out now, right? You can use this Elseworlds, and it's about time they labeled it Elseworlds. Yeah, if they can't figure it out in time to make it match, they'll just slap Elseworlds on it when it comes out. And I the, mean, yeah, I, would, I think this is kind of smart to finally label this Elseworlds. Yeah, yeah, I agree that I think it's... Um, there needed to be at least something where he can they they make a clear delineation to the fans of what's in universe and what isn't, whether it be TV or movies. So the the Elseworlds thing is, I think that's smart. Yeah, I feel like at least labeling it. Yes. Yeah, it gives them a shot at trying to create this idea of continuity. Absolutely, you got a brand. Also, I think it's a place for like talent actors, directors. If they don't want to sign it up for, we'll talk about the contract, like a ten movie deal. They can come in, one movie, one and done, play around with it, and you're like, oh, it's Elseworlds. It doesn't matter. Go ahead. Have fun. So this could work to their benefit. Okay. Back to gun. Now, Peter and I have gotten pretty lucky in terms of the four projects that are coming out over the next year. First, we have Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Shazam has always been off kind of in his own part of the DCU, so he connects very well. That moves directly into The Flash, a fantastic movie that I really love that resets the entire DC universe. Okay, hold on. So, first of all, they've given, back to the Batman for Elseworlds, they've given a date for Batman 2, October 3rd, 2025. It's going to come out. Now, he just said the Flash movie, and then somewhere else he's quoted as saying it's the greatest superhero movie ever made, resets the entire DC universe. What the fuck? The fuck? What does this even mean? 
Well, it sets the entire DC universe except for the shit that he wants to keep his wife working on. <laughs> so uh, you'll see he's going to announce the first thing he's going to announce is Waller. Yes. Well, we'll where, get to that. We'll see if his yeah, wife still so, has a job. Wait, wait, reset. Wait, so, reset's ahead, not really the real word. It, it's a uh, soft reset or, you know, reconfigure more than reset. A couple of things there and he'll announce. We'll get into more, but he clearly doesn't state that these are Elseworlds films. Right. Right. And as we get into some of the other stuff, I think Flash will be like his opportunity to kind of reset. But it sounds like to me, maybe I'm jumping ahead. It sounds like to me he's picking and choosing the things that he wants to continue. Yeah. So it doesn't look like it's a hard reboot at all. And like, did that sound like Zachary Levi was going to continue as Shazam almost kind of? Yeah, it sounded like he it was already kind of in its own thing. So he feels comfortable. It sounds to me he feels comfortable given it based on the reaction to this second one that if Shazam wanted to continue, he'd have no problem integrating it because it's already okay. kind of been its own thing. I mean, if he resets, you know, there's it should already be in Elseworlds then. Yeah, they uh, he might shove it in there. Now, the reset could also help them if uh, with the Ezra Miller problem uh, at this point. Uh, what are the odds that he continues to be the Flash? I guess we have to wait. They continue to be the Flash. We have to wait till the movie comes out. But it's hard to I mean, they could use the reset as an excuse for that and to change everything. Uh, it has been confirmed. We will get the first Flash trailer during the Super Bowl this sun this Sunday. It's this Sunday. Yes. So more about that later. Okay. That's crazy. Resets the universe back to gun. Then to move into Blue Beetle, a fantastic film about a kid who's a marvelous part of the DCU, and then into Aquaman 2, which leads directly into our next few projects, which I'm going to tell you about now. So Peter and I, along with a group of very talented writers, have started to map out an 8 to 10 year plan of what DC Studios will be in film television, and gaming. This first chapter is called Gods and Monsters. Ooh. Now, this, what I'm about to tell you, is a part of the first chapter. It's not the entire first chapter. The first project is Creature Commandos. Creature Commandos is an animated series. I've written all the episodes. Something we're going to do that's a little bit different at DC is we're going to have characters move into animation, out of animation, usually having the same actor play their voice as who plays them in live action. Wow, that's a lot right there. Okay. Gods and Monsters, 8 to 10 year plan, just part of chapter one. Has anybody heard of this Creature Commandos rugs? I feel like this is right up your alley. Yeah, they were an older, I think in the 70s, early 80s, they they still had some books coming out. Maybe I might be wrong about that. It might be earlier than that. It was 1980, first, uh, uh, right. first launched in the 80s. You know the premise? Yeah, it's like uh, the Monster Squad. Yes, it's Monster Squad. It's Frankenstein teaming up with a werewolf, a vampire, a Gorgon to fight Nazis in World yeah. War II. Oh, Sounds geez. amazing. Uh, Weasel, it's like Hellboy, basically. Yeah, yeah Weasel is going to be in this from the Suicide Squad, the second film. And then Rick Flagg's father, Rick Flagg Sr. So... First thing, it's animated for HBO Max. He's saying the actors are going to cross over, same voice actors for live action, animation, video games. That's crazy. Anthony, any comment on Creature Commandos? Interesting first choice for his first pick of projects he can work on. He said he wrote, he's written all the episodes. It being animation makes it, for me, kind of a meh. Like, you know, I don't have a much... If it hits, it hits. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like it's that much of a 
Like it's not make or break, but it's an it's interesting not, first pick. Yeah, it's not your own, what I would use for my opening. No, uh, well, he's, no, no, yeah, he is, no. He is he is he is <laughs> announcing these in the order of what they'll come out essentially, right? right? Apparently, yeah, right. And their their animation's great. The Harley Quinn show is tits, man. Is it going to look like that? No, this is no, completely yeah, this you're, is different. You're, you're you're basing this yeah. off of yeah, what the old regime. Yeah, this uh, still they give us is like what it's going to look like. It's kind of it is different. So I don't know. Well, also to throw in though, just a couple things. One, uh, kind of following the the MCU with the chapter, you know, phase yeah, one, yeah, doing chapter one. Yeah. Um, but two, he is releasing these, or he is saying that these are all potentially. I think. They're all supposed to be in this order that he's saying yes. it's released in. Yes, this is the order these things are coming out. Apparently, uh, what I will say to that is, good luck. So <laughs> because he's starting with TV, with TV shows. With, 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 the reason animation. I say that is, Fahey's done these things plenty of times, and we've seen plenty of shuffle. Yeah, yeah. So very easy to announce it. Very hard to execute getting these all out concurrent things out at the times you want them to come out and in, if, in, in the order you want and this is animation it's a different production schedule if these stories are supposed to lead into like the overarching thing he's getting into that's going to be interesting uh yeah. okay so first thing tv so we have a so first show is suicide squad but with monsters okay what's the next show Here's the next Cameron. one the next project up is waller this is a story of Amanda Waller, played by Viola Davis. Viola Davis is going to team up with members of Team Peacemaker. And this is a story that's been created no by shit. Crystal Henry, who did Watchmen, and Jeremy Carver, who created the Doom Patrol. Like it is, is a fantastic story that's out of this world, and I can't wait for people to see it. Okay. What did I tell you? I told you he was going to wipe out everything except for the shit that his wife was working on. And the shit that he created, and that's exactly what he's doing. Oh, yeah. This is interesting. Live action <laughs> HBO Max TV show. James Gunn's wife gets to keep her job. Amelia Hardcourt's definitely going to be in this. We know, uh, unfortunately, season two of Peacemaker, they have to put on hold because he's busy with the next thing he's going to announce, which is Boo, because I love that show. But he said this is the continuation, Waller, of the Peacemaker. So you should see a lot of people. I just think they just rebranded it. Well, remember at the end, spoilers, a peacemaker, uh, Waller's daughter outed the whole fucking thing. She outed Task Force X and, um, and, and Amanda Waller. So like now it's out all the shit she's done. Um, yeah. Uh, Anthony, any kind of geek boner floppy jock for this? Where are you at? Uh, and like Amanda Waller is an interesting character in the comic books. Viola Davis is an all time great actress. But. Um, yeah, I mean, the, these being your first two projects are, uh, that's a rough start, in my opinion, but okay. All right. Two TV Keep shows. Going. Viola Davis, by the way, the Grammys were on last night. She won a Grammy. She officially has an E. She won a Grammy? Yes, for a spoken word book. Oh. She has an EGOT, though. She has. Oh, shit. One of each. She is like the 19th person to EGOT or something, and only maybe the third black woman to get an EGOT. Uh, so that was kind of crazy. She's great. Uh, okay. What do we got next? What do we got next? Okay. Next up is the big one. The true beginning of the DCU. This is called Superman Legacy. This is being written by me. I'm in the middle of it. I'm having a great time doing it. And Superman will be released into theaters July 11th, 2025. Oh, okay. It's got a date. That's crazy. Uh, This one, this is the big one. This is the one we've been waiting for. The word legacy. What is that? Say to you. It is an interesting title. Um, here's some more. Peter Safran has says, said in an interview, it focuses on Superman balancing his Kryptonian heritage 
with his human upbringing. Like in every movie. Okay. He is the embodiment of truth. I love this part. He is the embodiment of truth, justice in the American way. He is kindness in a world that thinks of kindness as old fashioned. So that is the Superman you want. You want to get back to that Superman? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty boilerplate Superman. Yeah. Yeah. I think on paper that those are the things you'd want to say if you were making a Superman movie. Yeah, but look at what Zack Snyder being did. Rebooted. Yeah. What's that? Look at what Snyder did. They, that's the opposite of what the fucking Yeah, but Man Snyder never said he was going to do that. No, he's right. Yeah, he said. Uh, James Gunn also <laughs> said Superman's for everyone. This is That's a four-quadrant film that should speak to everyone in the world. Yes. Like, I like this. They get, they're getting it. Back to basics. James Gunn will probably direct this one. I know they were like they're trying to get him to I do it. I don't know. It. You think he'll direct it? I, I think this might be his baby because he's been working. I, I think he's hmm. writing this. So why why would I don't know? He's also said it. I don't know. Yeah. No, you don't think he'll direct? I just I don't know. First off, I'm curious. James Gunn writing it. I think this is a real this is a real test for Gunn because we've Superman is not what he's done before. He's he's never he's he he can make fucked up characters really cool and 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 noble and and heartwarming yeah but superman's not a fucked up character no you know that so i think this is actually a test of his writing skill i don't know if he would direct this i think uh i think you you put this in someone else's hands to direct yeah maybe that is for the best because it's not his kind of i'm I'm just curious like how this plays out with him writing it because he hasn't really done this before I mean, look what we did with Star Lord a little bit, right? I mean, it's not Superman, but there's there's, Superman. there's there's I don't know. There's hopeful. You don't start with Star Lord. Yeah, I guess it's completely. You, you think you Superman's going to be dancing in his apartment? Is he going to do that? Okay, you, want, you, want, you want Superman cracking jokes about how his the inside of his ship looks like a Jackson Pollock painting? Dancing like uh, fucking Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Yeah, you, uh, you want him to, do you want him joking around about banging aliens yeah, all the time? Maybe, yeah, this is gonna, this, <laughs> I guess this will be interesting. Where's Gun going to pull I don't from. doubt that he could potentially do it. It's just it's, I haven't seen him do a character like so this. So he's also posted, which is kind of cool, is the comic book inspirations for each of these projects. This one is Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman. Right, everyone loves that one. Is, and it's a, gra- it's a great run. There is an animated version on HBO Max you can watch. Uh, drawn by Frank Quietly. So uh, as it goes on, he I'll mention these books that he's pulling from. They're great books. He's also confirmed Clark Kent still hasn't been cast. But Henry Cavill's out. Some of the other people, we don't know. It's all up in the air. Uh, listener, before we continue, if you want to join the conversation, let us know your thoughts on DC's plan. Join our Facebook group. It's called Jock and Nerd Nation. There's a link in the show description. It is a private closed group just for us, just for all us jocks and nerds and geeks. Okay, moving on. The next thing is a big premiere HBO television series called Lanterns. This is a story of a couple of Green Lanterns, Jon Stewart and Hal Jordan. And we have a few other Lanterns peppered in there. But this is really a terrestrial-based TV show, which is almost like True Detective with a couple of Green Lanterns who are space cops watching over precinct Earth in it. They discover a terrifying mystery that ties into our larger story of the DCU. Oh, okay. A lot to unpack there. That's kind of exciting. That game, I'll Geek give, boner. I'll give that one a geek boner. I'm dying for a good Green Lanterns thing. Right. You think they're going to do the anti-life equation? Uh, I don't know. And the, uh, the anti-monitor, was that part of it? Yes, that's right. I like that they're using both Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. Greg Berlanti had a show. Uh, they were gonna, I think they were going to focus on Jon Stewart, but you kind of need both. 
And to mention, like, it's on HBO Max. Will it have prestige television quality? He name drops True Detective. The first season was great. So it is an Earth show instead of being a space cop show, but it's about space cops on Earth. I don't know. It would be great if uh, John Stewart, like, had to investigate uh, the actual John Stewart. <laughs> the other John during Stewart? During the show. Yeah. He's like, listen, uh, I was just stopping by. Stop writing jokes going there. On. People get mad. Yeah. Anthony, Lanterns. We love the Green Lantern book, the Jeff Johns run. Are you excited for this one? Love Green Lantern. Love that run. Um, very disappointed in the movie. Yes. I think uh, I like the idea. I like that this potentially is maybe one of the first tie-ins to the overarching story. I like Hal Jordan. I like Jon Stewart. What What's key for this one, and I really liked Peacemaker for what it's worth, yeah. but... You can't tell me when you looked at Peacemaker that you went, oh man, that's a. They put a prestige budget in that movie. In that, no, like, but it yes. didn't look. It yeah. looked like a TV show, right? It did. The lanterns. If this, more so than Waller, more so than you know Peacemaker, which has already come out. If if you're gonna do a lanterns TV show, you better put some fucking money. That's into a, that. yeah. That's what I'm saying. You got you got to have a healthy. You, budget. It's got to look. It's got to look movie quality. It's got to look better than Peacemaker. And I like Peacemaker. They just got to make green shit, right? They don't. They don't have spaceships. They don't got to fly around in space. So I know, but there's a different Peacemaker was on Earth, yeah. and that that didn't that looked like a TV show. Like, look at put Peacemaker on, and then throw on Last of Us. Yeah. Tell me which one no, looks better. There's a difference. I mean, those costumes, like when you think about it, they're so colorful and kind of like Halloween costumey. Now that I think about it a little bit, but they're still fun. Right. So, you just got to yeah. you got to you you got to really you got to you got to make. You got to make it look good. I mean, I've been excited for this ever since they said Berlant he was going to do one. So that's he's not doing he's this. Not though. doing that. That's which is great because that whole CW verse is done. So big budget Green Lanterns TV show, bring it on! All right, here's a weird one. Next is a big movie called The Authority. The Authority is a passion project of mine. It's based on the marvelous Wildstorm characters. We are now bringing into the DCU and will interact with all of our primary DCU characters. The Authority are a group of superheroes who think the world is broken and they want to fix it by any means necessary. I think it's a very different look at superheroes. We're doing... This book first came out in 1999. I never read it. Who know who here knows the authority? All right. So, okay. Back in the day when Wildstorm was kicking and Jim Lee was making all these different properties, one of the things under Wildstorm was Stormwatch. Okay. Right? okay. And it was like a it was like a super team that was sanctioned by the government, by the actually uh the United Nations. All right. Okay. So that team becomes defunct for some reason and uh, all of these uh, members of Stormwatch are like relegated to like office jobs and whatever. And one of them, Jenny Sparks, makes a new team that is like has no ties to the government. They just do what they want. They're going to fucking fix the world by however they want to do it. And it's basically like a anti-hero version of the Justice League. It's like a dark Justice League. Okay. Or like a dark Avengers, if you want to say. It's like Suicide Squad meets the boys, kind of. Well, no, but there's a Batman analog. There's a Superman analog. Midnighter, right? I know Midnighter. Yeah, Midnighter and Apollo, they're in a relationship together. So, like... It's like if Batman and Superman were fucking, it's that's what that is. Um, well, because Midnighter was came out as gay too. That was the big. That's why I I know. Well, they're both. They're you know. Well, they both it, are. It, it, they're doing that. It was like a thing by Warren Ellis that 
Yes. Everybody was always trying to ship Batman and Superman together. So he's like, I'm just going to fucking do it in this comic. And it's pretty brilliant. But like, um, yeah, so there's like a woman. There, there's a character called uh, the Shaman who's like Doctor Strange. And there's uh, a woman that like is made of nanites. Okay. And like so the, and there's Jenny Sparks who controls electricity. And so the, there's all the there's like a hawk girl. Huh. So so there's there's like all of these like uh Justice League applicable characters. So I guess they're going to be maybe the reason that a real Justice League has to rise. It's weird that these two things are going to be. How are you going to have one without? Well, when there's what, a one that precedes it. What if the authority is like the bad guys in the Superman movie? Well, Could, no, I don't know. Or they get I introduced there. Well, there's a, a comic called Superman and the Authority where there, where Superman is basically grooming the authority to be the new Justice oh, League. Oh, okay. Huh, how's that sound, Anthony? Sounds right up James Gunn's alley, really. Yeah, I mean, this is perfect for James Gunn as far as what he wants to do and what kind of characters he likes to work with, and it seems like it's right in his wheelhouse. Um, This is now the third thing, at least the second, if not the third thing, where now it seems like Gunn is doing... His passion projects? Yeah, he said Superman was a passion project. This no, is no, a- I'm talking about like Superman. You got to do, yeah. But Waller, Creature ah, Commandos, ah, and now oh, yeah. the Authority. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get into some of this stuff after. But I'm just a little bit like James, man. Like <laughs> he's just doing what he wants. To are do. you doing the things that people? Are you doing the things you want to do, or yeah. the things that people want to see? You're looking at because the big picture, there's a big difference between these two. And I, I'll, I'll gladly eat crow if i'm wrong and these all end up working out but the suicide squad was a fucking fantastic movie and no one saw it man like yes what are you doing here what, yeah. like are, are you are you really do, like shepherding this the best way possible by introducing all these weird side things right off the bat i mean I the authority is a brilliant comic and warren ellis and brian hitch were like you know great artwork yeah. great writing yep. but is this what you want to come out the gate with like right. I don't know. Interesting. Um, it, it's a choice. I, I, I'm hopefully it's good. It might be it, interesting to watch. It intrigued me. But, uh, I did not know. I mean, I remember Midnighter. That's all I knew about the authority. All right. What's next, James? Doing a television series called Paradise Lost. Uh-huh. Paradise Lost is a story of Paradise Island, usually known as Themyscira, which is the birthplace of Wonder Woman. It's almost like Game of Thrones with Westeros, but with all of the inhabitants of Paradise Island. The introduction. Huh, so a Themyscira origin story, origin, what is this, TV show? Okay, all right, that could be fun, I don't know. Um, He also said on Twitter that they haven't officially let Gal Gadot go, but I think it's up in the air. I mean, clearly Wonder Woman's not going to be in this if it's before Wonder Woman. So, is Gal sticking around? Comment on this, anybody excited for, for this story? Kind of, but not really, because it's not really a Wonder Woman show. It's a Themyscira show. And I don't know what it is. It going to be like a sword and sandal type thing? Is it going to be about how the Amazons basically were part of society? It could be like Xena Warrior Princess or something. I don't know. Yeah, because there's there's various origin stories. But yeah, they were um, there were warriors at one point that were in the real world and they were. They got Paradise Island as a gift for like their sacrifices, right? So 
at what point that should be a, a utopia, right? Or is it not a utopia? And this is what the story of it not being a utopia. Maybe there was some turmoil when they decided to make parody. I don't know. I don't know what the story is. I don't know what the angle is, but, um, I'm 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 curious about it. if it's a TV series. It's okay. Right. I might tune into that. Anything? Um. Yeah. No. I think I'm also curious. Uh, the Game of Thrones type thing is intriguing. Um. Again, you're going to need a budget. You're going to need a big budget to do that. I, I read somewhere that it might delve into somehow the Amazonians kind of split off. There's some on Themyscira. Obviously, Amazonian comes from greek culture so you know and there's different uh parts of the world that the amazonians were in uh, the mascara Aegean islands arabia egypt so that's what i think i heard that it might be like okay. is just this all these different facets of the amazonian women and how they came to be and all that stuff i mean it is interesting in terms of like what are the politics of an all-woman society and all that stuff i think you can mine a lot of that um, it's another one of those things though, where I look at it and go, "But well, how interested is the general?" Well, audience that's in all the of thing, this? and like, really, you just need like dope characters and amazing female warrior battle scenes, uh, and some yeah, and some good good writing. Uh, okay, next, James. Production of the DCU's Batman. Oh, is one. the Brave and the Bold. The Brave and the Bold is the story of Batman and his actual son, Damian Wayne. This is based on Grant Morrison's great comic book run. Damian Wayne is my favorite Robin. He's a little assassin who Batman tries to get in line. And so this is the story of the two of them and the beginning of sort of the Bat family in the DCU. Wow. Okay, that got me excited. The beginning? The beginning of the it Bat It should be the middle. Family. Right. The Bat family. So a lot of things to unpack, but holy shit, Robin, back on screen for the first time since 1997, stupid Chris O'Connell in that suit. Right. The only way to make this make sense is that he has to be Batman for a while. Right. Because if he has a teenage son, he, in well, in comics anyway, if he's going to be comic book accurate or somewhat accurate, He's got to fuck Talia Al Ghul in, in yep. Son of the Demon. And not know he had a kid for like 10 and years. Not know he had a kid. Yeah. And then this kid has to show up. So he's got to be Batman at least 10 years so, in. So while we're getting a younger Superman, I think we're getting like more of a seasoned Batman, which is different than Battenson, where Battenson's Batman is, who's still early in his career. That's maybe how they're making it different. I fucking love. I Look, that Grant Morrison run with Damien is amazing. Everyone should go out and read that. I love this Damian Wayne. I love that he's a little shit. Right. But I think that it's kind of you're losing something if the other Robins aren't there. Well, that, I think he, he mentions the Bat family. So you can have Nightwing. You can have Red Hood. You can have your Tim Drake, Jason Todd and, and Dick Grayson's there. All right. right. But they are like this already happened. How are they going to establish like, that? Damian showing up. What makes it interesting is that Damian showing showing up like throws everything off kilter. Right. So like right. there is there already Tim Drake's already a Robin and he's kind of aging out. But, and, uh, you know, all those things are coming to play. And now they're giving us something we've never seen is a Batman. That's a father. Uh, the, bad dad. Bad yeah. dad. Anthony. Yeah. Should they get What do you think of this? And should they get Ben Affleck to direct this one? Uh, I don't care if they get Ben Affleck to direct it or not. I think he's a good director, but that doesn't make or break the film. Um. I like the idea. I like Batman and, and Robin. I like Damian Wayne as Robin. I like that character a lot. I like their dynamic. 
Um, so I think that's all good. It's fresh, which is good. It's a story we haven't really seen yeah, before, yeah. which is good. Those are all good things. Yeah. We're now rehashing another Batman and Joker thing. So those are all good things. I do agree with Bruggs in if this is the start of the, like the logistics of this are a little weird. If this is the start of the Bat family, that's a little odd. I agree having jumping to this part in the history of Batman is a little odd just because there's a couple things. One, the the history of the Robins makes Damien as Robin even more right of a compelling story yes. because you have the fit you have Dick Grayson, you have Tim Drake, but then you have the failure with Jason Todd. Now you have a kind of a Jason Todd esque character in Damian Wade, who's even maybe more way more violent. Yeah. Yeah. Um so like if you lose all of that, that kind of loses the um intrigue around his relationship. It just takes away some of that history. Also, if you take away again, all speculative, but if you take away the fact that Dick Grayson was ever Robin, and this is the first Robin, you lose a really cool storyline where when Batman goes away, Dick Grayson becomes Batman. Yeah. Damian Wayne steps up from being just Damian Wayne to his Robin, and then they're doing the op there they're doing their own Jason Todd, Bruce Wayne dynamic, except it's Damian Wayne and Dick Grayson. And that's that was a fucking they awesome storyline. And they're and they're great yeah. opposite yeah. each other because yeah. they're yes. complete opposites. One hundred percent. They're does not get along. So yeah, there's, Dick a lot, there's a lot of less gymnastics of a unhinged they person. Do. Yeah. If, uh, they can't make Damien the first Robin. This you have to somehow they're gonna have to establish this is a movie, right? Yeah, this is gonna be a movie. Yeah. Like so it would be okay if they made this movie the Robin movie. Like it it Batman's just that. an an ancillary character. character. He's in it. Yeah. Yeah, he's in it, but like it's really about the the Robins. Like how does how does this new kid showing up? And then you could kind of go through the history of the Robins in this movie. Uh, I would love to see that. I think that would be great. Now that you brought that up, yeah. you start the movie with Damien being born. Yeah. In what? What's what? Where was uh, Rosin? What was that place called? Uh, was well, there? what is that place where there uh, the League of Shadows operates? League of Shadows, League of Shadows, Shadows the hell that is. operates. Uh, yeah, in- wherever the hell he operates. But you start the story there, and you do. And you just have him growing up as Damian Wade and learning how to become like an assassin in the League of Assassins. You have that relationship with his mom and then like with Roz. And then we all know who Batman is. And then the movie gets to him meeting Batman, his dad. And he's just been trained his entire life the opposite. Like, I think that the following it from starting it from Damian's perspective, I think would be awesome. That, that would be mentioned. that's a great idea. Uh, but I'm but I'm curious to see what the gymnastics they do they they have to do to get us to this point where we can accept a story at at this time in Batman and Robin's history. Yeah. Uh, also, the time did, did you short circuit there? I, no, I was trying to find. I'm trying, you still got me. What is the place? <laughs> what is the place called where? Um, where he, is there is it place? Is there a place? A, it's a it's like a made up country. It's in Tibet or something. It was someplace in Tibet. Some I know the, there's the Lazarus pits. Yeah, where Nanda Parbat. There we go. That's what I was thinking That's of. That's what it is. Na- yep, it was Nando on Arrow Parbat. too. Nanda yeah, Parbat. Yeah. What about the title, The Brave and the Bold? I think it's kind of interesting. I don't know if it's going to be like well, Batman, The Brave you and the Bold. Remember, you remember that series was like a ba- uh, Brave and the Bold. There's like Batman and somebody else. Yes, it was Batman. a team up. It's, a, it's like a team up uh, book. It ran from 1955 to 1983. I have a lot of them from the 70s that I got from my cousins, and they were fun. And then there was a cartoon series, which was like a really campy, lighthearted. Yeah, I, I was I wasn't really. Why do they have to be lighthearted? I guess it's to try and make to make Batman like work with other people. But that in itself doesn't make it 
Like, it's interesting to see Batman having to work with somebody that's not in his wheelhouse, like Aquaman or whatever. Like, it's cool, to, but it doesn't have to be funny. Like, it's just funny. Just the situation of Batman and Aquaman having to work with each other. It's like even even in the fucking Justice League movie, like when Bruce Wayne shows up to try to convince Aquaman to join the Justice League. It's kind of a weird situation, just weird by by design. So you don't have to try and make it funny. I the think that's that just was good, though. It was it was actually really quality humor. I thought they did a good job. Yeah, that that's not. Anyways, I, don't, I really don't like that being the point of again, Batman. Comic, comic book inspiration. Grant Morrison's Batman. Read it. Get it. Read about Damian Wayne. It's great. Moving on. What's next, James? Next up is a TV series called Booster Gold. Booster Gold is one of comics' really popular cult heroes. He is a fascinating guy. He's a loser from the future who uses future technology to come back to present day and become a superhero so that people will love him. It is basically the superhero story of imposter syndrome on an HBO Max series. Uh, I really don't have much to say about this. Again, a thing kind of suited by J- for James Gunn, right? I feel like Absolutely. are you a Booster Gold fan? Yeah, I mean, I I read him in the Justice League Europe. Like whenever you saw Booster Gold, did you run out and go, "I have to buy more kinda, Booster Gold he, comics"? Nah, he kind of does nothing for me. Like that character appeals to certain people. I know that there's people who are into yes. Booster Gold, but I'm not one of those people. Me neither. <laughs> this one, I, I'll watch the show. Though. Yeah. I'm not like against the show, but I'm, it's just not like something I'm clamoring for. But uh, yeah, I was like, okay, man. Any, any, Anthony, anything on the booster cold? Uh, this is another James Gunn. Yeah. I think this is another James Gunn passion project. I, I don't think it's an unworthy character to do at some point. Again, I think it's yeah, it's okay. Questioning why this is in the first phase. Uh, booster Gold is like if um, Stifler from American Pie yeah. was Kang the Conqueror. Oh my God! Yeah, and went into the past. That's pretty good. And just was, but you know, he's, he's, he's Stifler. Just, yeah. He's not actually Kang the Conqueror. Yeah, that, that's idiot. what that's what Booster Gold is to me. Yeah, I mean, it could be fun comedy, but yeah, weird. Okay, yeah, that's a comedy. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely going to be a comedy. comedy. Yeah, totally a comedy. Uh, this one's kind of interesting. One of my favorite comic book series from last year was Tom King's run on Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, and so we're going to turn that into a big science fiction epic film. Now, Superman is a guy who was sent to Earth and raised by loving parents, where Supergirl in this story, she is a character who was raised on a chunk of Krypton. She watched everybody around her perish in some terrible way. So she's a much more jaded character. And that that's an interesting. I kind of like that. This is a different take that we've ever seen on the Supergirl. Well, it'd be good to have them be different. Yeah. I, I Instead of like carbon copies of, of each other, so uh, I like that inspiration. The art from that book they were showing is gorgeous. I'm, uh, it, it looks amazing, and also there is a Supergirl in the flesh. Sasha Kale is playing Supergirl. Is it going to be the same actor? No, come on. Probably. Oh, in the flash, in the flash. We've has it oh. come out in the movie. In the yeah, movie. in the movie. Oh, 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 I thought you meant the TV show. No, no. Um, in the movie, there is a Supergirl cast. I don't know. Those those movies, what is it? Super uh, Flash. Just backtracking real yeah. quick. Flash, Aquaman, Shazam, Blue Beetle. Shazam, what's the fourth one? Blue Blue Beetle. Yeah. He, he well, I think you'll get to this later, but he didn't really do a good job defining what what those movies even mean no. to the movie universe. No. So they just want to get past them. Sounds like 
I don't know. Yeah, doesn't I, I think it's just like a wait and see. We'll talk. We'll talk. I know it's in your notes. Supergirl we'll talk about World of Tomorrow. Anyways, interesting movie. Okay, this one. Uh, this one uh, gets me excited. Brings me to Swamp Thing. The last thing we're going to talk about yes. a very dark horror story in the origins of the monster who is Swamp Thing. And although it's totally outside of the rest of the DCU, it will still feed into the rest of the stories. Anyway, dude. That's awesome. A Swamp Thing movie. This movie needs to be moist and swampy and wet. Like, it would make an amazing horror movie. <laughs> Apparently, James Mangold is in talks to direct Ooh. it. I thought they would have got, like, a James Wan, maybe. But I love this character, the gray, the rot, uh, the red, the fact that he's connected to the world through nature. Like, Alan Moore, his comic book inspiration is Alan Moore's absolute Swamp Thing. Yeah. Which is a great run. So... You got Alan Moore in your DNA. You know, you got at least the writing and the, and the concept is there. So they just, this is an easy one. Yeah. The horror, yeah. horror is popular. Yeah. Even though it's not like a really well known character to most people, it's a people who read comics. Uh, it's still like you're working with some good stuff. So it should be successful. It should have some kind of appeal. Um, but that's the last thing that he he announced, right? That's it. That's all for gods and monsters. That's it. Uh, that's it. Here's a little wrap up from him. Anthony, anything about Swamp Thing? Are you excited for Swamp Thing? I think this is good. I think this is something definitely to be excited about. I My hope for Swamp Thing, first off, Marvel's going to probably put out a man thing right? before Swamp Thing. Yeah. So yeah. Just to t- take the thunder <laughs> They're away from They're going to beat him to it, yes. But if what I would hope for Swamp Thing is when he says horror go full horror make it scary make it if you can make it r make it rated r the one of the issues i have with marvel even though i'm a big fan is for the most part all their stuff is pretty similar yeah in terms of tone yeah in so if you could if the one of the ways dc can differentiate themselves is really letting the director's voices come through in a lot of these things so you know, make Swamp Thing a real horror movie and make Booster Gold a legit comedy and make uh, Paradise Lost a Game of Thrones yeah, type thing. Yeah. You know, like let the director's voice really shine through. And that's one way where they can distinguish themselves. And then you can still I, I don't see any reason you can where you can make the director's voice come out, make these movies really genre movies and still connect them all at the Absolutely. end. Like comics do that all the time. And it's the way to set yourself apart from the Marvel Cinematic Universe right. that has yet to give us a horror movie. Uh, you know. I mean, we got, you know, the, the, that's why everyone, jumping into Marvel real quick, that's why everyone liked the Werewolf yep. by Night yep. thing because it felt like mm-hmm. a throwback horror thing, you know, in that kind of vein of a 30s, 40s, 50s horror movie. Yeah, it was their first like crazy That's why genre everyone was thing. going over the moon yeah. because they, they hadn't seen Marvel do anything, take a risk at all. Okay, here's a wrap up from James Gunn and we'll discuss the overall plot plan. Those are the stories that I can tell you about right now. I've loved the DC characters since I was a child. They're incredibly important to me. I knew that this was a once in a lifetime opportunity to do something very different. One of the things that's very important for me in all of these movies and TV series is that the director's vision and the vision of the writers and all of the creators is unique and something special. 
Storytelling is always king. That's all that matters to us. And I want to be true to those stories. I want to be true to you guys and really give you something different than you've ever seen before. Anyway, thank you, everybody. I appreciate you watching. I hope this was exciting for you because it's really exciting for me. And I can't wait to start to dive into these stories with you guys on this grand adventure. Thank you so much. Thank you, James. Okay, where do we go? Here, let's go here. No Black Adam also, which is kind of funny. They just fucking snub the rock, undo that whole thing. Um, the ambition of this plan to have the same actors, same voices across movies, different uh, TV, animation, video games. You know, I read an article where they're looking to lock actors into a 10-year contracts. He's also said the video games will be used to fill in gaps between movies and TV shows. Is this a more ambitious plan than the Marvel has given us at this point? How does it stack up? Yeah, I mean, on paper, yeah. If you're going to try to integrate TV and video games and all that stuff right off the bat, you know, Marvel didn't integrate TV till more than 10 years in. Yeah, they had a messy um, time getting to that. The video games are not really integrated. No. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and locking into people in the 10 year contracts. I mean, Marvel tried to do six or nine. I think they were trying to do nine picture contracts, Jeez. and yeah. art or our actors were pushing back on it. So it sounds more ambition on ambitious on paper. Um, we've never seen anyone other than Marvel do it. So again, good luck. And we're seeing we're seeing the struggles with Marvel stretching themselves with TV right now. Yeah, yeah. They, so. They're they're looking. At, they're going to find lessons there. Rugs, what do you think? More ambitious. I don't know. I really think, well, it's ambitious in the fact that they're not going to things that are automatic uh, bell ringers or like, you're like, oh, that one, that's the one we should do. It's more like kind of like these, the Waller thing and this, uh, the authority is a little off the beating beaten path. Um, It's nice that they're doing a Supergirl movie, but there's no like clear Wonder Woman thing going on. And I guess they're trying to do something where they're trying to do a bunch of female characters with the Themyscira thing, which is could be cool, but they're all kind of similar characters. And there's not like, I'd rather see more variety. Um, I don't know. I feel like that this is, it's just okay. It's not terrible. Yeah. It's not like, it's not wowing me. I feel like that you could have asked any nerd, like what their top five things that they would do. And you'd get a, a list that's just as compelling. I mean, that's the uh, question. Is this enough? Will it work? I think it's a good start, but it's a weird start as also. But but he said this is just part of our beginning of our chapter one, whatever. Right. I, I don't know. I just feel like they um they burnt a lot of stuff already. Yeah. They burnt a lot of characters. Uh, Zack Snyder ruined the Dark Knight Returns uh, with that Superman versus Batman in that armor. You got Black Canary, uh, you burnt that, uh, you burnt Birds of Prey, you burnt that so many things that had, like, uh, <clears throat> potential. Well, the, all these projects are kind of reaction to that, right? This is why they're doing the Brave and the Bold, because they burn all the good Batman stuff. This is why they're going to go Superman the way it is and, and Supergirl uh, a different take, because they already burned the, the other take. They already killed Superman. They already did everything. They kind of did, so... They haven't done like the big stuff. They haven't done like the anti-life equation. They haven't done like those major giant fucking things. It's it's so funny. They're doing the exact same thing they've been doing in publishing for years. Their universe gets convoluted. Boom. 
Crisis on Infinite Earths. Reset. Then that gets convoluted. Boom, they do Flashpoint. And they give you new 52. And then that has a weird time year jump. And then that stops selling. And boom, they do just Rebirth. DC Rebirth. They're using Flashpoint the same exact way, which I'm like, why wouldn't you plan better around that? You seem to just constantly putting yourself in that kind of hole to dig yourself out that's, of. That's that's not Gunn's plan. No, yeah. Keep you keep that in mind. He's he's inheriting that's true. things that were in motion. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's a tough position to be it in is, because it is a tough job. But so much stuff has been burned. But I would I would throw out a static shock movie or yeah, something that like that. Great. So Anthony, yeah. Anthony, what are you most excited for out of this list? If you had to pick one, oh, um, I'll say this overall about the list. I, I'm not necessarily disappointed. I'm not over the moon about it. Yeah. I would say I'm a little above in the middle. Like I want, I want to give the guy a shot. Yeah, I want to see what he's got. He's been dealt a terrible hand, yeah. as far as what you know. We've all, you guys have just mentioned, you've burned a lot of stuff. Um, I'll say that. Similar to my feedback uh, after the authority, it's not like when when you're first rolling out a universe, it's not on paper what I would want or what I would think you would do. Yeah, it is a mix of some big stuff, but then some stuff that really seems like James Gunn is finding like little niche things within the DC universe that he's just wanted to do. Yeah, I, I'm just like, are you? completely connected to the audience do you really know if this is people what people want to watch right now uh but i get the fact that a lot of stuff has been burned too so it's just one of those things where i'll certainly eat crow if if it, if i'm wrong about this but man i think that's a tough i think that's a weird mix of things to start off with as far as what i'm most excited for honestly probably the swamp thing would be the would be the oh, one really? top thing i think i'm very curious to see how superman legacy plays out very curious about uh, uh, Brave and the Bold, the Lanterns. Everything else seems like it has potential. I, I don't really care about Supergirl or the, the Paradise Lost show, to be honest. Um, Waller doesn't really do anything for me either. So it's a mix. It's similar to probably a lot of people. I have very mixed thoughts on all this. Hope, hoping he can pull it out. I'm very confused about what his plans are with some of the stuff that already has happened because he didn't really announcing i think he did that purposely yeah. because i think he's waiting for the reaction to the things he was already just kind of put on his plate and he didn't really have any say in such as these next four films and kind of waiting to see how that plays out and then taking the characters from there the one thing i did read somewhere that i kind of agreed with is i did wish that he could have just convinced reeves to just make the batman in canon huh and just kind of use that version of the Batman as the first Batman. Snuck that in. in. Hmm. Yeah, it just snuck that in, hmm. but, you know, it is what it is. Hmm. I mean, having two Batmans at the same time yeah. still kind of Do we need me. the two Batman at the same time? That's kind of interesting. It's going to be two completely different things. Overall, Whatever. I mean, I get a mild geek boner, I'll say. Geek boner? Not, none of the things really jump out. I mean, I am excited about the Superman, the Batman, Lantern, Swamp Thing, but more, I'm at least relieved that they have some kind of a plan uh, I'm uh, again. I don't really know what the plan is. Well, I'm trying to see the chess moves on the board here. Okay, so like 
The Superman movie seems completely detached from everything else, and so does the Batman. Well, all movie. of this is supposed to connect in some way, right? The authority but plays the, in these. These. I think the authority is going to be like I feel like is going to be like the Dark Avengers or the Dark Justice League or whatever. Yeah. Um. That maybe. I don't know. It's going to kind of be the opposite side to the coin to the actual Justice League if we ever get it, or maybe we're never going to get it, and this is the the stand-in. I don't know. I mean, he's hinting that there is a big overarching thing that's going to connect everything, what that is. I don't know, but I've heard him hint it here and there, but there's potential, of course. Uh, like you, Anthony, I'm going to give him a shot. I, I feel his passion. I know he loves these characters. That's obvious. But we'll see how much he can delegate and get different voices. But the fact that it's so eclectic and you're getting different genres, like it's a decent start. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as far as should the announcement have been like a bigger thing? What do you guys think of how they announced it? Just like with this video, like should they have done like a big fucking virtual thing or something? I don't know. Like an Apple presentation. I, didn't have a I thought it was a curious way to announce it, it but then I was like, I don't know. Like, it, there's just the, the DC universe right now has so much baggage on it that would you want to announce something and then have like a big crowd and just be like, yeah, that's a good point. He's like, what's, kind of shitting on yeah, everything yeah. before it. I don't know. Just got a weird thing. Well, and he has been shitting on everything coming before publicly too, which is a problem. Yeah. But these guys are handling this not as like executives. One article said they're handling it as filmmakers. It's yeah, kind of weird because I've been watching lots of videos uh, of people reacting to this, like Nerdist and like yeah. the new rock stars and, you know, Screen Crush and all these people. And even then, like, even even though they, they're putting on like the, the very supportive face, you can also tell that they're like Everyone's questioning. Like, eh, like, this should have gave me like a rock hard <laughs> geek boner, right? Geek like, boner? Even the people who are like. Didn't. Paid simps for everything yeah. are are showing a little bit of like, I don't know. They're like, really? <laughs> okay. I mean. It's just because we've seen. Yeah. We've seen this story before from DC. Well, they've burned us so many times. It's so hard right. to have any faith in anything. And they're trying so hard now. But throw, throw that on. Throw that. Put that in there. Also, just throw in the fact that even me as a big MCU guy, like. There's just kind of a general malaise towards comic books right now in terms of like shared universe storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like to 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 get us pumped about a big DC universe after you've had a, a terrible DC universe, but also after the fact that Marvel did a ten year run and ended with Endgame, and then after Endgame, it's been like they've been grabbing at straws for things to do. Yeah, it's just like I don't know how much excitement can you have for the for you know the the next. The, like the the seventh hottest girl. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> after yeah. like, like you know, it's just like we've already seen the the we've seen the main event. Yeah, like I don't know the what sheen else has worn off. It's tough to it's yeah the sheen's worn off this whole. You know thing. what they got to do? This is what it's got. He they, can you sell America the audiences on Superman again? This really what he's got to lean into to get this thing started. Can you sell a hopeful, uh, you know, all American Superman, whatever? And have people buy in and and not have the fatigue set in that they don't even give it a chance. I think that you need a foil for Superman. You have to have the right I, should villain it, it should for be Superman. Lex. I say put Lex in the first movie. No, I don't know. No. Before Lex? Who do you put in? No, I think you have Lex around. Okay. I think you have Lex in the background and kind of manipulating things. But you need something physical, in my opinion. 
like a brainiac or a monster or yeah do like brainiac do um do cyborg superman i don't know do some do something else yeah something that you can show the power of superman. so you yeah you, it's tough to like lex is a great character but lex isn't a foil right like that like you got to build up to lex yeah, build up to lex absolutely yeah absolutely. build lex up is something yeah, man, it's going to be interesting next few years for DC Studios. Gods and Monsters. Stuff. We have to wait till 2025, I guess. 2024, maybe those shows are coming out. Do you think Legacy means Connor's going to be in this? Oh, Connor Kent, the clone from Cadmus? Superboy? That's Connor, right? Yeah. I don't know. Is he going to be you gotta, too young of a Superman? You've got to establish a lot Superboy. of shit before you even get there. Legacy. That's all Legacy. I'm thinking about. What does that mean? Superman Legacy. Thinking about... Yeah. What was that Brandon Routh movie called? Returns. Oh, it was just Superman Returns. Returns. Yeah, and they were trying to go back. That had a kid. That's a super kid in there too. Yeah, they were trying yeah. to go back to the Reeves movies. But again, smart to start with the OG. I don't know. We'll see. That I mean, again, it should have given like a solid geek boner, and it was just like, huh, this is interesting. Okay, uh, we'll see what happens. Like it didn't. Uh, that's what I found surprising. Some of the things are exciting. We'll see what happens. Let's take a quick break here, play some promos, and we're going to switch gears and talk about a really depressing but awesome movie right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. That is by far my favorite because it's also character driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it. A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past 10 years. Catch our shows on radio worldwide seven days a week or at any time on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on over 30 more podcast outlets. Hey guys, it's Brad from the top rated podcast, Apple TV Plus. Not to mention, you know, some other show, The Cinema Guys, and some 2B thing that I do. Every year, my buddy Gerald, he does an award show he calls The Golden Peas. It's his own personal movie awards honoring the previous year in film. This year, for the first time ever, he's going to broadcast it on YouTube with many guest presenters giving out awards for categories such as best movie, best female performance, best horror movie, just to name a few. The best part of all this, the winners are voted and chosen by you. The awards are 100% based on participation and votes. So help promote and share it. You know, get the word out for this event leading up to it. And, of course, don't forget to cast your votes. Head over to 2PeasOnAPod.com slash peas to see a list of nominees and cast your vote. Then, tune in Monday, March 13th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time to see the winners revealed live on YouTube. There'll be some amazing guests, and Gerald is joined by none other than the god of podcasting himself, Brian Loisos. So we hope you can join in the fun and celebrate our love of movies. You won't want to miss it. Listener, if you enjoy this show, uh, you can give back. You can join our Patreon fan club. Visit jockandnerd.com slash Patreon. Jockandnerd! Where you can support the show on a monthly or annual basis. You get access to an exclusive RSS feed where the podcast comes out early 
bonus content is in that feed only for our Patreon members. You can join us for our monthly Discord hangouts. You might have heard us last week. Anthony was nice and loose. We had a great time. Was that last week? No, it was two well, weeks ago. It was ago, two right? weeks ago. We talked about it last well, week. It'll, when this show comes out, it'll have been about two weeks. Yeah. The next one yeah. is in two weeks, Thursday, February 23rd. I got it in my calendar. I don't oh, know if I'll be there, but I got my he calendar. He actually put it in his calendar. That means a lot. Oh, wow. That means a lot. It's been a while since I put one that in my calendar. That means it's winter. I'm pumped. Yeah, I'm pumped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. It's winter, and there's nowhere to go, and the bars suck right now. Uh, and, and there is a tier where you can pick any movie and force us to watch it and review it. And we have a couple of those it, uh, coming up. We're going to do one right now. But if any of that sounds fun, visit jockandnerd.com slash Patreon link in the show notes. Okay. This week's review, like I just said, is a Patreon sponsored review. We are going to be reviewing the 1978 movie, The Deer Hunter. This uh, this is here's a spoilers for a really old movie. Strap <laughs> yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time. I was gonna say real quick. I like that you did this dramatic build up to this. Yes. When anyone that is listening to the show has clicked on the show, knowing the show title is the Deer Hunter review. Uh, you know, I forget that sometimes. But you know, maybe you, but you know, we're, you're we're, you're living in the moment. Maybe I you blindly clicked and you didn't know. Yes, you saw we're doing the Deer Hunter. Why? Because <laughs> it is sponsored by. Dedicated to our longtime listener and patron, Wes Cranford from Australia, who you may remember won a T-shirt in our raffle of the 90s action movie tournament. He got the T-shirt. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. And then he promptly rubbed it in the face of Jess Rivera and Lisa Morrison that he won. That was hilarious. Great. I would have done the same. <laughs> Great photo. Uh, Wes, thank you for being a patron for 67 months. Oh, shit. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah, that's. What is the math it's on five that? And that, that five plus years? Yes, five Holy and a half shit, years. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But, God bless you. Uh, last week, we did the Big Lebowski for Blake. He had been a patron for 60 months. I forgot to mention that. But wow. too long time. Thank you, guys. He has picked for us the Deer Hunter. You think it's one of those things where they, they subscribe? And they it's forget. It's like when you have that Netflix yes, subscription. Absolutely. And you, just, you don't even realize that you're giving money to this yes. thing. You're like, it's oh, fucking fuck. fantastic. Yes, it's fantastic that. <laughs> Where's all my money you're going? Like, oh, going I forgot like, I was still paying your, your wife looks at what you're spending <laughs> it on. It's like the Jock and Nerd podcast, like, what, what feet you? picks, <laughs> toenail cutters, OnlyFans, videos. subscription. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Burly, burly men cutting wood. Listen, as far as our Patreon is concerned, set it and forget it. Just sign up. I'm, gla- I'm glad we're in such a steamed <laughs> uh, category or a. Uh, Library of things you're subscribed to. Farmers only subscription. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, Wes, thank you again. The Deer Hunter uh, is only available on the cock currently. Peacock. Perfect. Which is very interesting. Uh, This is a long movie. Three hours and two minutes. I'm curious. Does it say when Wes requested this? Uh, This would have been... Oh, it's probably a while. I have my theory it, on it, why no, no, he it was a, it was a while ago, I believe. It died. You know what I think this is, yeah. Wes? Correct us if I'm, we're wrong yeah. here. I think this was during my Rowan Polanski yes, phase. Yes, and I think he because I was watching all these Oscar movies, he he requested this because this one's an Oscar. I think it's from back then. I think you're correct because this like I, I asked people on the Patreon it was a long time ago, but I, you might write that that uh, that would line up. That was. COVID Polanski Anthony, or as Ruggs put it, Roman Polanthony. Roman Polanthony yeah. is going to love yeah, Roman Polanthony. The, deer, yeah. the deer Hunter on Rotten Tomatoes, 86% on the tomato meter, uh, 8.6 out of 10, 92% audience score. This movie 
Directed by a fellow named Michael Cimino or Cimino. Cimino. Isn't it Cimino? Is it Cimino? Cimino? I don't know how you say his name. I've never heard it spoken. Or, or I thought it gets like Chiamino. Ch- it's Cimino. Cimino. It? It's, oh. it's Cimino. It's yeah. Cimino. Yeah, Cimino. There. Okay. Michael Cimino. Uh, previously, before this movie in 74, he had done a movie called Thunder, uh, Thunderfoot and Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Thunderbolt and Lightfoot with Clint, right. Clint Eastwood. Uh, and after this, he does a movie called Heaven's Gate, 1980. He's only done about like seven movies. This is like his big movie. Uh, he also co-wrote this movie with Derek Washburn. And the movie is based in part on an unproduced screenplay called The Man Who Came to Play by Louis A. Garfinkel and Quinn K. Redeker, who also get credit. That was about Las Vegas and Russian roulette. So he took the Russian roulette part uh, and put it here. Starring an amazing cast. You have Bob De Niro. Good old Bob De Niro as Michael. Uh, the great John Cazale, get to him as Stan, John Savage as Steven, Christopher Walken as Nick, Meryl Streep in here as Linda, George Zunza as John, and a couple of other people, but that's your main cast there. Uh, now, usually I'll give you a bunch of like notables and Oscar things about this, but I don't I want to do that later. I just want to talk about the movie. Anthony, this is the first time you've watched The Deer Hunter? Yes, of course. Did you know about the Deer Hunter? Yeah, I was aware of the Deer Hunter. I, I went through that phase. Oh yeah, I, you did. Okay, okay. I went through the phase. I knew. I knew of the movie. I knew kind of walking in what it was about. I even knew, you know, the kind of the, the big scene. I, I feel like I'd seen that somewhere, and I was aware okay, of it. Okay, what is the Deer Hunter about, Anthony? Oh fuck! Oh, uh, it's about these Russian Americans in somewhere in Pennsylvania that are. Three buddies, one's getting married, two are in love with the same girl. They're enthusiastic about going to Vietnam and serving their country. They go to Vietnam. They experience some horrible shit. They come back. They're completely changed uh, in three different ways. The town around them is, is the friends that they've left behind are reacting to them differently because of their changes. It's just about how it's a drama about how war fucks you up. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, that's it. Uh, that's really it. It's about trauma, PTSD. So, first time showing this three-hour movie ends, Anthony. What are you feeling? That was long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was what I was thinking as well. <laughs> it's a movie that I can I can appreciate for what it is. It's certainly very long. I don't think it even needs to be that long, quite no. honestly. It's a movie that um, good performances gets across the message that it intends to get. In, in very strong ways at points not a movie i ever want to watch again <laughs> not because it's fucked up I, I mean it is fucked up Heavy. in certain ways but just because it's long and, and it's a it's a fucking slow character driven movie with a lot of lingering shots on things and isn't it yeah this is not a very rewatchable movie it's definitely an old school you know film kind of movie where the, you just sit michael Cimino, Cimino just sets the camera down for large periods of time. But, Ruggs, what did you know about this movie coming in? And what are your... Well, I've seen it. Okay. Okay. This is what happened. Most of the movies that I watched were on regular TV, so they were heavily edited. Right. So I saw this on TV, and it was edited hacked to bits. So I never got to see it in its, like, pristine format uh, director. I mean, I I think... On the cock. Yeah. (laughs) I've never seen it with, like, 
even as long as it was because it was like cut for edited for TV. Yeah, so yeah, they would never put a full three hours on there. Um, but um, yeah, it, it it just seemed like like huge. It seemed like a really long ass movie. <laughs> but um, yeah, I had seen it before, but it's a completely different. This is a completely different animal. Uh, the the amount of horrors that you see and and the a lot of the stuff was heavily edited so it's almost i'm seeing it for the first time i also i had never seen this movie but i knew that it 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 was on many people's best films of all time list i also knew about the russian roulette scene from like pop culture things like the simpsons have spoofed that the mao diddy mao uh, you saw that everywhere. Did Tropic Thunder do it too, or something? Yeah, a lot oh, of people have spoofed that Russian roulette scene. So sitting down and watching, I had to watch it in two two sittings uh, because it was late. So I watched like the first two hours and the last hour. But man, I gotta say, I thought it was it was a pretty powerful, you know, tale of these three guys told in these incredible three movements of the film, uh, and the fact that you get to sit with them so long and they set up the characters so well. It reminded me a lot of All Quiet on the Western Front. Clearly, All Quiet was inspired by this. But the fact that this is 78, the Saigon fall fell April 1975. This is one of like the first movies, big movies of Vietnam so soon after. Like I had to put myself in those shoes to right. fully be like, holy shit, dude, this is wild what they're showing. Uh, there's a lot of controversy. But yeah. The, the cinematography is fucking gorgeous. The acting is top notch. I did enjoy kind of the slow pace because they you really get to hang out with these guys in that first act through the wedding, through the deer hunting. Like it's an hour long fucking wedding at the beginning of this. Oh, yeah. Uh, Russian wedding reminded me a little bit of Godfather, a little bit of Fiddler on the Roof. But they very clearly he gives you all the character pieces you need to know. And then the way it moves from movement to movement, just like jump cut, just jarringly is kind of brilliant. So I don't know. I could see why it's on a, why it's been highly regarded as one of the best movies. I thought it was, I thought it was powerful, dude. It got me. It moved me pretty good. Uh, very emotional. Yeah. I think that the themes are there. I think there's some nice bookends. Uh, well, first of all, I want to get this out of the way because, um, you get to see Christopher Walken dance in that right there. <laughs> young Walken. The per- yeah, young uh, Christopher Walken. I love Christopher Walken. He's one of my favorite. Like, he, whenever he's in a movie, he just, for some reason, makes it register for me. Uh, he's not even, like, the greatest actor or anything. He's just a person yeah. that sticks out. And I just like seeing him, especially when I'm like, oh, I haven't seen this one I forgot he was in this movie, yeah. and this, he, this is. I think he, did he win an Oscar for this? Or uh, he did. We will get to that though. But he did. He does pick up Best Supporting Actor, right? Um, yeah. So he gets to dance. You get to see his character. So basically, you got uh, De Niro. They're all working at the steel mill. They show you what the steel mill is about. This is a movie that they don't just tell you he works at a steel yeah. mill. They just show you him actually working at right. the steel mill. Yeah. In great detail. Yeah, in a real steel mill. They show you things. You see yeah. him in the fucking locker rooms. See him razzing each other. The camera's following him out, out of work. They're having a discussion. You're following these people this whole it's time. It's almost like a documentary at, at points. You're seeing like this whole wedding day unfold. Yeah. 
I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Is the wedding over or yeah. is it just starting? <laughs> it's long. And you see like all this stuff and finally it coalesces into this wedding that they're having. Yeah. And he's about to leave to go to Vietnam. And there's like a little love story there. So it's like you sit with these characters. You don't have to. There's no reason to do this, like to kind of like, but they want you to be, no, they show you all of the characters they and want you to yeah. be at this party. Yes. They want yeah. you to be at this party. They want you to be like one of them. Yeah. yeah and it, so it takes you through their lives. It's very interesting. They want you to, they want it to be almost unmistakable. Like you, you can't mistake who these people are. You're, you're, you're spending so much time in that first act with them yeah. that, it's impossible to to have a weird impression of who they are. Like you, you're going to come out of that and you're going to go, okay, Christopher Walken's character is right. like a very genuine dude yep. that's in love with Meryl Streep. Yep. He's a good guy. Um, fucking uh, the the what's the guy's Steve, name? He likes to gamble. Steve, Steve yes, yeah, Steve, Steve is, is kind of the wishy washy weak one of the group. You, well, not really. I mean, not in the first. You don't get that in the first yeah. act. You just get that he's kind of like the. He's very enthusiastic about getting married. He's got his mom doesn't approve, but he's getting married and he's very excited. He's a young guy. He he's just he's happy. He's like happy about his life. Yeah, he's excited. And De Niro's like kind of the leader of the group, yep. but also kind of like he he's a good he's he's kind of like a eh guy. Like he's he's gets drunk and he's throwing himself all over Meryl Streep when she clearly doesn't want it. But then he's he like, strips and runs through the street and shit, which yeah, is he's hilarious. Yeah, he's kind of a kind of a crazy dude. Yeah, like and yeah. he's like when he sees the the soldier, I thought the powerful scene was the soldier sitting there yes, at the bar. Yes, the green beret and Yeah, the, and they're yeah. all like they're all like, "Oh, get him a drink." And then the guys just like it is what it is or he fuck it. He just says fuck he's, it. That's all the green beret yeah, says. And then, is, and then De Niro's character is like, "What do you mean, fuck? Like fuck who? Yeah. Fuck who?" Like yeah. he, he's kind of a hothead too, yeah. so. He's a hothead, he's a you wild just get card. A, you yeah. get a very good um, perception of who all of these people are because they they spend so much time with it. Not to say that it's completely necessary, but you know. <laughs> but I, I enjoyed getting to know them. You got Nikki, who, like you said, Rugs likes to gamble. He's best buds. He's, he's the only one that talks to Mike, Daenerys character. They're like the closest. And then you have the dudes who aren't going. I mean, they all talk to Mike. Like Mike and Nick are like the only ones that are like really close. Like he, Mike, Nick, well, they is, live together. They live together, but Nick is the only one Mike would really talks to. Like he's, you know, he's kind of reserved. Right. Oh, okay. Uh, gotcha. Normally, uh, and, and then you get to see them uh, go on this hunting trip. Yes, and they uh, yeah, one there. shot. He's got a philosophy of one. Well, you one can shot. like Mike's like he's you know he's kind of a weird guy. He's like yeah. not letting the guy fucking wear his oh yeah boots. You know why? Because he's trying to show him real life. Like if they're in war, you got to take care of yourself. You can't be forgetting shit. I feel like he was. Yeah, but he that's, was projecting but that's a weird that. thing to a weird do thing. with your friends. Yes, it is a weird thing. You wouldn't do that. Yes, you're like no. You'd give up, you'd give up your fucking shoes right away. You're like no, this, I'm gonna teach <laughs> you a bend lesson. Bend over backwards. You'd, you'd buy the person shoes. Fucking stash. Yeah, you got the two guys who aren't going <laughs> yeah. to war, so you have that dynamic that some of them are going, some of them. They did seem a little old to be going to Vietnam. That bothered me a little bit. Right. Yeah. I was yeah, like, that's yeah. weird. But by- I, I did like the uh, that he calls him Stash because that's, that's a it's very Russian, very Slavic way yeah, of. Yeah. Of the the nickname for Stanley, and then Stosh. Axel just says "fucking a" all the time. It's his only line. That one dude, Axel. Uh, but did, what was the deal while we're in the first act? Yeah. What was the deal with? First off, by the way, never had seen, thought Meryl Streep was an attractive woman until right? I saw this. Movie. Me too. I was like, oh my gosh, she's really pretty, Meryl. She was very pretty. One of her earlier roles. Yeah. 
What's the deal with her getting slapped around in the beginning? Oh, her father. Her dad was drunk. Yeah. Oh, that was her dad. That was her dad. Okay, yeah. She was living with yeah. him, and he is just a mess. There's that, and then there's just uh, John Cazale's character yes. just fucking slapping the shit out of a woman. Oh yeah, yes. On the in the dance floor because she he's she's her ass is getting grabbed. Well, that and I then, didn't understand. Her ass is getting grabbed, and he walks up and smacks her, and slaps the shit out of her. Yes, and then she gets up. After being like knocked out cold and he hurt. starts kissing her chin and it's just like, all right, let's keep dancing. She's like, like, what the she's fuck? She's like, you really hurt me. And then just goes on with him. That's okay. It's 78. This is, uh, this is That's, what yeah. is going yeah, on. 78, baby. So the, 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 that first act, which you notice beautiful, wide open shots of the landscape, the town, the mountain, right? It ends with the Green Beret going, fuck it. And then you just. No, it doesn't end like that. Well, no, there's in there like a. Uh, they, they go, go to the, the hunting the, scene. Oh, and then they have that piano scene. That's like where they're all oh, like they're realizing, OK, out. yeah, this is their last yeah. like moment together they're before singing, like they're going to go. Did you guys notice? I mean, they made it pretty obvious. So I'm sure you did. But the scene where they're drinking the wine on stage yeah. and they're like, if you if you. If you spill a drop, it's bad she luck. Drops. She spills a drop. Yeah. I saw that. She dropped this shit on her shirt. And I was like, oh, shit. Did anybody catch that? that this is not. So I'm like, Stevie's fucked right away. This isn't going to work out. So they're all happy. And then he also has his kid. That's not his kid. Yeah. Who's kid? That part I didn't get. That's Christopher Walken's oh, kid. Maybe. Is it Nick? Well, I don't know. I think I don't know if they make it clear. The amount of times Mike is. tried to like kiss her in that first act. Like I thought that weird. I thought that when they went to the funeral. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, wasn't there a funeral for, for Steve uh, uh, for Nikki? It, yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. Is a funeral, and then they stayed behind with she with the kid. I don't know if that. I don't know. That was, I, the, I don't get the impression that's Nikki because I, I get the impression Nikki's character was a really good dude yeah. before he went to the war. Yeah. Okay. Somebody knocked her up, and it wasn't Stevie. Was my speculation. Yeah. Anyways, the, it definitely wasn't Stevie. The way Anyways, they transitioned to part two, just jump cut to. A, a a Vietnam village getting fucking firebombed, woman getting shot, innocents getting shot, Mike fucking burning, a kid getting shot, yeah, a little kid getting shot, Mike burning a Viet Cong alive with the flamethrower. He is a green beret now. I was like, holy shit, this fucking just jumps right into it. You don't know what's going yeah. on, and you're there with them, and then before you know it, you know the 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 cavalry shows up, but then they they get, I guess they get surrounded, and it just cuts to them being prisoners of war in a cage instantly and you get to like the most amazing part of this movie is this whole russian roulette scene the theme of russian roulette permeating throughout the rest of this movie uh wow let's talk about that that shit every time made me tense it's a tense game to play well uh, it's interesting how well how the movie bookends itself so this scene yeah Robert De Niro's character is like, okay, listen, I figured out a way how to get the fuck out of here. Yes, it's brilliant. I'm gonna, I'm gonna convince them to put three bullets into this, into this gun. Yes, and that's gonna give you enough bullets to maybe take a couple of them out, and we can make a play to get the fuck out of it's here. Calculated. He's watching everybody. So he needs he, but the thing is, they pair him up with Christopher Walken, like his best friend, to go do this, and um, he doesn't want to participate. He freezes up. He's like freaking out. And so you have Come De Niro Nick. yelling at Come him. Come on, Nick. You can do, do it. it. Do it. Show do it. Do it. Do it. Balls, Nick. Yeah. So Come he's on, convincing him to do it. And then it mirror images the last scene of the yeah. movie where De Niro. Well, now Nick has become, I guess, a man that doesn't care about his own life well, anymore and only yeah. can like live through this Russian roulette game like that. He keeps replaying other people and he's there and he gets into a game and trying to tell him not to do yeah. it. 
He's like, don't right. do it. Don't do it. So it's kind of like a mirror image of like that part of the movie. And I feel like that was kind of like, oh, shit. Like, well, well, the thing that is, carries too, the theme. Well, yeah, the, uh, playing piggyback on that theme, too, is like the only way they were going to get out of there was because Robert De Niro and Christopher Walken's character, Mike and Nikki, yeah. he forces him to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But by getting him out of there, getting them out of there, he basically put Nikki on a death spiral. Yeah. Because right. Yeah. He he set him up to be this guy now that after that experience he gave no fucks about life and was traumatized. He was always putting himself back in that scenario because that was all that felt comfortable. Him. What for happened the rest in of his the life. VA? Remember he was in the well, VA. He just lost and then, it. He couldn't like answer questions and he broke down. He started crying. Like and so, then yeah. He, there's a guy came up to him and like started talking to him as he was sitting on the yeah, railing. It was like the there. doctor was asking him questions and. But then they let him. He was asking him, like, who his parents yeah. were and what his and he name. Just, and I, he he like, couldn't answer. I think he was just lying. Well, he go. Then he goes to the phone booth. He doesn't call Linda or whatever, uh, and he kind of just disappears. But by the end, he's like strung. They got him strung out on heroin and doing the Russian roulette circuit. But if you watch, dude, he didn't uh, Mike notices? Like, I was watching some videos, like where Mike notices he put the three bullets right next to each other because. First, Nick pulls the trigger. Wait, it's empty. Which part? The, when they escape, when they put the three bullets, when they're doing that whole scene, Nick pulls the trigger, and then it's Mike's turn, and he actually pulls the trigger first, and then he's got, he knows there's three in a row, and he goes boom, 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 as Nick grabs the other guy, and they fucking make that escape. Also, brilliant, the shots get really claustrophobic and close up, and you just see barbed wire, and they're in water, and they use, like, real fucking rats. Uh, and that helicopter rescue was also great. They actually did that fall uh, where De Niro and John Savage did that fall from the helicopter. And then he like lose track of Mike for a while. And it's just not good. Uh, that was that whole scene was crazy. And it's not even it's like it's a long scene. It's the middle of the movie, but it's not the longest scene. Right. It goes through it kind of quickly. Well, the thing is, like, that's the pivotal. It's the pivotal scene in the movie because it's the midpoint of the movie. From that point on, Nikki's very detached from the world and gets taken advantage of by the French guy and, and gets stuck on heroin. Um, he goes from this really nice guy that seems very caring and, and loves all his friends and wants to get married to a you know, very detached yeah, from the world. Yeah. Uh, the youthful, what's the, what's, the kid, what's the third guy's name again? Uh, Stevie. Stevie is very enthusiastic about life, but that whole scene puts him into a fucking tailspin where he's in ptsd yeah, that and breaks him doesn't want to be a part of the world anymore and doesn't want to be a part of his kids and stuff and just wants to live in the hospital and then uh nick or mike mikey was like this hardened guy and then after that scene he's become a lot more he's become a lot softer like he's a lot more um aware of the world ah. and like can't pull the trigger on the deer yeah like it all it changed it that that scene it changes is obviously everybody though the catalyst yeah. for who these characters are the second half of the movie well and it's brilliant also showing trauma how the trauma affects also the people that didn't go to the war like stevie's right. wife is catatonic she you know she can't answer the question where stevie is everyone it the trauma goes throughout so yeah meryl meryl streep's character probably thought mike was a creep but now yeah now she, finds comfort yeah. in like she he's the only connection she has to nick so and, like she's like sleeping with him now because and it's all she's got and then his other friends who didn't go to war expect him to just like get back into the, Slip the back routine into and you could see yeah. on his face where he's like you guys have no idea the shit i've seen 
the shit right. I've done. Like I can't go back into normal well, life. Yeah, Mike is now like that green beret yeah. in the beginning. Yes, yes. Where full he, like, he didn't understand yeah. it in the beginning, yeah. and now he's that guy. So I mean, and that, a lot of that happened around this time. People were coming; they were coming back. Couldn't readjust. He st- he still wants to save Nikki though. Yes, because yeah. he told Nikki. Remember that conversation they had in the beginning in his trailer. Nikki was like. Promise me you're never going to leave me in Vietnam. Whatever you do. And Mike's like, I promise you, I won't leave you behind. And so he, the fact that he goes back to fucking Saigon to find him is crazy. Well, the thing is, too, is like he originally was like to Stevie, we got to leave that guy. He's, yeah. he's lost. it. He's yeah. gone. But he, he gets Stevie first. He rescues him. Yes. From the, ho- from the hospital. But he doesn't want to leave. And now his legs are amputated. And he doesn't want to. But go. he still rescues yeah. him. And then he goes to Vietnam. I got I to gotta step in right here and say. Highly unbelievable he can get a trip to Vietnam. That quick, at that, at that, that, that time, time. when it, like, the war was still going on. <laughs> and where does he get all that money? Is he just taking the money from with the money that was sent to Stevie? Oh, yeah. He did have a lot of cash he was throwing around, hundreds he, of dollars. He was throwing around cash. Yeah. And it was like, dude, you live in Podunk, Pennsylvania with no money. I mean, I figured because he was in the military, he could get back, uh, an inn back there if he wanted to, like kind of as a civilian. It was apparently at that Ooh. point, it's 1970. In Vietnam, I don't, know. I don't so. think they were letting a lot of Americans that weren't serving in the war into yeah, Saigon. That, right? that is kind of weird. I mean, but that speaks to a larger controversy about the whole Russian roulette thing. We will get to, but yeah, that's crazy. Um, I love when Nikki stumbles on that first Russian roulette game and just freaks out and grabs the gun and pulls it at the guy, pulls it at himself, and walks out. And all the people betting are like, "Oh shit, you just fucked it up." They want to get him. Like <laughs> that, he's just lost it. And yeah, by the end, he's like all strung out. You can see the marks on his arms. He sees it. And the fact that Mike, the movie does not have a happy ending. This is another crazy thing he did. He can't save Nick. He tries. And it, the movie starts with a wedding, ends with a funeral, and them singing God Bless America. Initially, audiences were also a little perturbed by that because it could be taken two different ways, uh, you know, based on how you interpret it. But what a crazy, somber kind of sad ending that gets everybody back together is Nick's funeral. Yeah, by the end, I was like, man, I'm glad this movie's over. (laughs) (laughs) There's no happy ending in this movie. I mean, it's not like you feel like you went to Nam, but you feel like you know what the experience could be for someone who went to Nam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can... You would know that okay, their life is now it fucked up from how, how it, this whole yes, how it changes you. This whole thing unfolded, and I mean, even though there was no like uh, Russian roulette going on, of it, uh, uh, I mean, that's that what lead. we're going to talk about. But how about that scene? How broken Mike is when uh, Stash is fucking around with John, and he pulls the gun on him, and Mike fucking freaks out and pulls does a Russian roulette right at his head. I was like, oh fuck, this guy's gone. Pulls a trigger. He pulls it. He pulls a trigger. Okay, let's get into. There's a lot of notables about this movie that make it kind of crazy. The movie was nominated for nine Academy Awards following year. Won five of them: Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor for Christopher Walken, Best Sound, and Best Film Editing. And this was Meryl Streep's first of many Academy Award nominations, uh, starting her streak. So. Let's talk about De Niro. You notice the movie opens. The first thing you see, you don't see a film by anything. You see fucking Robert De Niro before the director, before the title. Top build. De Niro was huge at the time. He's coming off of Mean Streets in 73 and The Godfather, of course, 
in 74 and Taxi Driver in 76. What, what a run, huh? Yes. And then he does this fucking movie, Deer Hunter. Holy shit, yeah. Uh, and then the next time you see him is in Raging Bull in 1980. Wow. What a run of movies. So the producers and Samino said that they needed a name for this because they knew the Vietnam thing was going to be hard. They needed someone big to lead, so they got De Niro. This movie, also like the last movie we reviewed, uh, The Big Lebowski, is also in uh, the National Film Registry, and it's in AFI's Top 100 Movies, and it's basically, it's been on every list of best films ever made, The Deer Hunter is in there. Now, John Cazale, the guy who played Stanley, Stash, fucking huge guy. This guy had a crazy career. The sad thing is, during this movie, he had terminal cancer while he's filming this movie. Uh, and he he died before the movie finished, so he never got to see it. Uh, he uh, they they didn't want to cast him, but Meryl Streep was like dating him, romantically involved, and she threatened to walk, and Samino threatened to walk if they didn't use Kazale. And they filmed all of his things first. He was uninsurable, and De Niro paid for his insurance because he wanted John Kazale in the film so bad. Check this out. This guy has been in five movies. He was also, you must know, Fredo Corleone from The Godfather. Right. Dog Day Afternoon. Smart. He is starred in five movies, all five movies nominated for Best Picture, two of them winning Best Picture. Mm, wow. Like, just an amazing film career. Uh, and like I said earlier, this was one of the first movies to feature Vietnam in such a fashion. They shot all that shit on location in Thailand. Uh, which Look, I mean, looks like it. Yeah, it really adds to the authenticity of being there. That wedding scene took five days to film. The fucking hour long wedding scene. The extras were drinking actual alcohol, as they should. Yes, and they yeah. had like I would have needed that after fucking having to film that. Guy imagine scene. filming a wedding that should take a couple hours for fucking five days. It keeps going. Um, that felt it felt like that wedding. It felt like the prep to that wedding, the wedding, and then the post wedding. Yes, kept going. It just so. kept going and going. That so when they the, the intent of that they got that across yeah. real nice because I felt like I was sitting there for three hours just watching a goddamn wedding. I mean, like Russian weddings go on for a long time. Say like Indian weddings, there's like three days. It goes on for fucking. It's too long. It goes on forever. When I saw that first shot of the deer where he shoots the deer and the deer goes down, I was like, holy fuck! How'd they do that? That fucking yeah. deer went down. They shot it with a trank dart. Like you can't do that. I don't think you could get away with that today. If you no. wanted to film a deer going down. You got to be a CG deer. They actually shot the fucking deer. And it looked, I was like, I was like, how the fuck did they get that deer to go down? Uh, the Viet Cong Russian yeah, roulette scenes shit. were shot with real rats and mosquitoes around. Uh, the casting director had trouble finding a guy to play the guy running the roulette, Russian roulette game. The guy smacking them. The first guy couldn't bring himself to actually smack Bob De Niro. They found a guy who, let's say, didn't exactly like Americans. Uh, and they cast him, and De Niro told him to smack Walken when he's not paying attention. So a lot of those reactions are are real reactions. And, like, the acting in that fucking scene is intense. Where he's just like, oh, you're going to die. Fuck you, motherfucker. He's just getting smacked around. It's amazing. Uh, I said De Niro and Savage performed their own stunts into the river. They fell 30 feet. Oh, so the scene where he does go freaks out on Stanley at the end and puts the gun in the bullet. And does the Russian roulette, but De Niro requested a live cartridge in the revolver for the scene. Yeah, they would never do that now. Um, never. To heighten the intensity. John Cazale agreed, but before they would shoot, he would recheck the gun every time to make sure it wasn't actually next in the chamber. Is he Alec Baldwin? Yes, Alec Baldwin. Rust anyone? But 
just think about it. That gun that he had, he put a fucking live round in there. He made sure it wasn't next, but there was a live round. That's crazy, dude. In there. I would never do that. And then well, the guy was on his deathbed, right? So he was like, well, because well, Hollywood was like, yeah, hey, either you shoot me or I'm going to die anyway. He's like, I got to draw the, the most movie. genuine performance. Dead, and if I yeah. die, like Avin Drago, he dies. That's fucking dies. method, bro. That <laughs> is method. Uh, and then that last scene where Nick does pull the trigger and die and Mike can't save him. They improvised that whole thing in one take. Michael Cimino just basically told them, he goes, you put the gun to your head, Chris, you shoot, you fall over, Bobby cradles your head. All of that it seemed very genuine, and it got me. I was like, no, not fucking Nikki. Fuck. Uh, so all improvised, and this is one of the movies that starts kind of the new Hollywood wave of auteur directors that continues in the 70s, 60s, and 70s, and then it becomes blockbuster, then it kind of comes back. Uh, but the the big controversy, Rugs, you alluded to it, is that there is no evidence that these Russian roulette games ever... Uh, happened. There's no documented cases during Vietnam in the 20 year war time. Because it was Vietnamese roulette, not Russian. It was Vietnamese roulette. (laughs) But you can argue that, you know, he's using the Russian roulette as a a narrative thing, as a thematic thing, as a metaphor. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a running theme throughout the movie. But the, the, the overarching thing is that the war fucks you up. It could have been it could have been Russian roulette. It could have been anything, but it's the war itself was fucking. I mean, Russian roulette ties into like Mike's one shot philosophy. It ties into maybe the way the director felt about the war, that it's random and violent and pointless. Right. right. Uh, all those things. So also like the last movie we reviewed, Big Lebowski, Roger Ebert gave this thing four stars Raj. when it came out. And I love the Ebert. So it's another four star. So these are the last two movies. These are like big All time movies, big time movies. If you're a cinephile, uh, okay, let's uh, let's rate this movie. What would you give it there, Anthony? Final thoughts. I want to hear Ruggs's. Okay, Ruggs, you go first. I think, um, for all intents and purposes, like as a filmmaking event, uh, you do really feel like you live with these people. You experience this kind of horror with them. Um, it plays out in a way that's affects you. Um, but it is long. So for, I was going to give it like a nine, but I'm going to back off of it a little bit. You know, 7.5 because it's just so long. It doesn't need to be this long. Okay. Anthony. When I have a, uh, kind of a similar thought to rug boy, what I'll say is if you're looking at this as a cinephile, as Roman Polanthony, as someone that loves movies and you recognize what the time it came out. It's 1978. You, it's hard to watch this now and then, but, and like put yourself back in those shoes. But if you do like this movie, is like a, a nine an eight and a half a nine. Yeah. That being said, it's still too goddamn long. In my opinion, I don't think it needs to be as long as it is. Um, as far as like entertainment factor, <laughs> not a movie again that I'd ever want to watch again. It's not a fun entertainment movie. wise. It's yeah. like a three. Oh boy! <laughs> so you know it's long, and you it's, average it, those two out. Yeah. So in that <laughs> sense, I'm good. I'm giving it about a six and a half. Not because it's not six and a half in terms of when you factor in entertainment plus great movie making. It's a for what it's for for what it is. It's a it's a great movie. The time it came out, the relevancy to to the era, those things should be factored in. But again. Not a movie I ever want to revisit, and 
I will go to my grave saying that movie could have been at least a half hour shorter. I mean, I, 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 I will. I kind of like the length. I didn't mind hanging out with these. It's very old school Hollywood. You know, they don't make a lot of movies like this, but I appreciated the time I got to spend with these characters. I think it deserves to be on everybody's best movies list. I do think it's a movie everyone should experience because it is an experience. But man, the the storytelling, the cinematography, the performances. I I gotta give this a nine. This is. Definitely, it's a classic and it's an important movie for all the reasons you said, Anthony, the time and the place and what they were doing and what people hadn't seen. Um, and it's widely quoted. The Russian roulette scene lives in infamy. Uh, I can see why it's up there. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and I'm glad I did experience the deer hunter in full. Thanks, Wes Cranford. Well, let me let me throw this out there. They do make movies like this. You just don't see them. Yeah. But I mean, mm. I mean, There's a lot of art, art, artsy films like this. I heard that movie go Babylon, to, to like A24. Babylon is like three me. hours long, and it's about like debaucherous Hollywood. I'm kind of curious. Yeah, you throw on a movie like Tar or something like that. Like those movies are like yeah, this. but it's this, just, but the I mean, yeah, I guess you could say like even like uh, Nomad. Do they, do they, those movies just don't make like this movie made money. This those movies don't make money. Oh, I didn't even talk about the budget, did I? This movie was made for 15 million dollars and uh, makes 48 million back in '78, which is pretty good. For right. a three-hour R-rated heavy deep movie, and just the fact that they're tackling Vietnam so soon had to be interesting going into this movie. Uh, what did you guys think of them singing "God Bless America" at the end? What did what 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 read did you get? I that? found it to be a very strange ending because a you can look at it as they're being kind of sarcastic and like nah, or, or b you can look at it as like they're being hopeful and they're trying to unite and still. I think it's good. like a bro. I think it's like a broken. It's a broken uh, response to their. What they think of the war, right? They're like, this is the price that uh, having be living in this country is. You have like, we we do shit like this. We police the world. We get involved in shit, and uh, you know, the, we get involved, involved in these wars that are just you know, horrifying. And especially um, that one fucked everybody up, right? There was that's the price of living in America. Yeah. Was, that's what I felt like. It was like it was like it was like a broken, it was like a like like a broken song, a broken uh, version of that song. That's a good. That's a good interpretation. I kind of interpreted it as it was just because the guy starts singing it in the kitchen, and he's a guy that didn't go to war, right? And then Meryl Streep's character starts singing it. She didn't go to war. Yeah. Oh. I think they're both. Yeah. I think they're singing it just as like, it's just comfort. Yeah, for them yeah. to sing it, yeah. and then everyone just kind of jumps in. But and it, it's kind of ironic, obviously, that they're singing it because they've America's broken them in in, in, in it, a way. It's kind of the only thing they could do at the time, right? The only yeah thing you can like, think of in that moment. Yeah, man, no, like, kind of like their prayer. I don't yeah. know. It, it is the whole movie's kind of like. Kind of weird. It's a po- <laughs> I, I think it's a pretty powerful movie, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's 100% powerful. I just I don't like it. Would you consider this a war movie? See, I, a lot of people put it in the war movie category, but I don't, I think it's even beyond that. I think it's broader than that. It's, it's more, I would say, if we're, we're playing this game, which is actually kind of fun to play now because we've been doing this right? in terms of what, what a category is. Yeah. I would say it leans more drama. I would say it's like 70% drama. And like thirty percent, just war is the the background. Like, kind of considered a war movie, but 
I would say more drama. Like you could put it on a list of Vietnam movies. Oh yes. No, it definitely is a hundred percent because it's what you r- retain after you leave. Is you remember those? It scenes. is the main kind of changing factor of the characters, and yeah. So okay, man, Wes, thanks for making us watch this classic. I uh, moved me. It moved me. Let's do some news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. It stinks. It stinks. That's all. It stinks. That's all the fart I'm going to get. Uh, okay, so I threw this out there in the nation. What uh, suggestions for future movie drafts and or tournaments? I guess a lot of these would work. Either way, you guys want to hear some? What do you? What, yeah. All right. Uh, a lot of people chiming in, so clearly a lot of people are enjoying the tournament slash drafts from Twitter. J H U L S F uh, says monster slash horror. Uh, also, Jordan Pace Nichols uh, on Twitter says horror movies and MCU installments. And from the Facebook group, Daryl K. Best worst movies. That's kind of fun. Ooh. Roberto Rivera, a, uh, a what the fuck happened only draft. I don't know if we've done enough of those. Uh, Gerald Morris wants that. horror, of course, and he wants to be the guest. Joey Austin says best drive-in movies. That one's different. What, is, what does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> movies that only played in a drive-in or that you would go. That could be a lot of things. I'm not sure. Uh, Rick Martinez. Horror movies that would be. Let me just comment yeah. on each of these yeah. while we're doing it because yeah. I think it's fun. Yeah. You guys can too. Horror. I don't know if we've seen enough. It'd just be like Gerald Morris. I, this is the thing. It'd be Gerald Morris and Fiddlesticks doing it. This is was you'll see. I think that was one of the most requested categories. But again, I'm with you. I'm like, I'm not a horror guy. How it might be a yeah, little. None of us are really horror be disingenuous guys. a little bit. Like, I feel like I don't have the the, capa- the capability right now. Yeah. Uh, OK. Rick Martinez says best rock and roll movies. That's very. Yeah, I can very do specific. that. One. Kelsey Carter. Best remake. It's a good one. Well, here's the thing, too, about a category where you guys could do it. I'm more than happy to step aside if you can find a third at least. Okay. I think you need at least three to do a tournament or a And or, or draft. a draft. Yeah. Okay. Jeff Rivera says best sports movies. That's a fun one. I could do that Great one. one. Uh, Zika says best war. You could divide by which war? Revolutionary, civil, World War One, Two, Vietnam. You could add World War Three or comedy. Uh, John Campbell says take a page of the Big Picture Podcast book and do drafts for years in cinema. I'd pick a year, six categories. That's great. Yeah. There's a lot of great years I would love to do. Well, I suggested 1999. Yes. A couple of years in the 90s. And Zika a, just kind of did a, the, the categories for us. Which was yeah. Really nice. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of years in the 80s, I would love to do. J.R. Flamin says Swayze versus Swayze, Schwarzenegger versus Schwarzenegger, etc. That could be an interesting tournament. <laughs> hmm. Jeff Chapman, strictly Marvel Studio movies draft would be dope. Okay, so that's the second vote. For yes, that. Jose Barra horror. The categories would be slasher, supernatural, psychological, monster, foreign, found footage, and wild card. I love the idea of that, but I don't think I've seen enough of these movies. The problem. Blake Braden drafts by years. Wes Cranford, he's in with war movies. You could do it by decades. Uh, uh, he could do uh, yeah, war movies, spy movies, spy ones. He said would be good. Justin Zwerner also horror. You got slasher, supernatural, monster, classic. Ooh. Jeff Chapman, best trilogies. And then John Bellotti Jr., 80s comedies, horror, New York cop movies, mob movies. Those are all great. Those mm. are a lot of things to think about. 
Yeah, it is. We, we've, we've been rattling around stuff. I appreciate all the... I mean, yeah, there's a lot. There's just so many. Well, this gives us some food for thought I, here. I think, I think what we will do, I'll just put these guys on the spot, is I think uh, Ruggs or Imran, I think one of you two okay. can uh, figure out which, which one you want to do. Next. And we'll do it. Yeah. yeah. No, we have, there's so much great uh, content here. We can do all of them. So keep sending them in. Okay. Let's finish up with some what are we watching. Of course, we got to start with The Last of Us. Uh, spoilers? No spoilers? <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, whatever. Spoiler. Episode four after that amazing episode three. This one was good, too. A lot shorter. Uh, and leaves our uh, key players in uh, a definite, a different spot. I thought it was going to be kind of a filler moving the pieces around episode, but no shit happens. You meet new characters, new factions, uh, and they end up in a, a cliffhanger spot that you're like, oh, shit. Okay. What do you think? What do you guys think so far? Still good. Yeah, I liked the episode. It was fine. I was just kind of taken aback that that's the first thing that people do when they see a, a car driving through. It's like, let's see if we can. Oh, yeah, they're going to scam it. Them up. Yeah. I mean, then people are doing that now. They do the fake. I got hit. Pull over. Jack your car like that happens in Chicago all the time. What are you kidding me? <laughs> that's like a Tuesday. I was like, that's it. They just going to fucking kill these. And like what they, they expect. They're, they were fucking rolling up on people. You're going to have to. You know, they, be ready to get fucked they, up. Maybe they didn't expect anybody to fight back. They never faced Joel before. Yeah. Uh, but we got some new characters. Are these like, these are original characters. The uh, the girl, uh, Melanie Linsky's character. Yeah, that's those are new. That I don't think they, they didn't do that in the game where you gave them, the, gave the perspective of the people that were attacking them. So this is just like another faction that's kind of broken off and is running things on their own. Like, I got to say that that felt like the game for a oh, second. Yeah. When they fucking roll in yeah. and they fucking have to get behind the car yes. during that gunfight, yeah. I felt like I was in the game for a second. Yeah, man, Ellie, yeah, do a that, good no, job that with feels, that. That feels exactly like the game yeah. when they when they're in that little in the shop, right after. behind the truck and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and he's like telling yeah. her go through the hole. That's like something that feels like right right in the game. Did you know that guy with the beard? That was her like right hand man, the long beard dude. That's the guy who plays Tommy in the video game, apparently. As they're trying to get to. Diego Luda, Tommy, but the right. fuck now the truck is fucked. And uh, what? And who is this Henry and Sam? Are, were they in the game? I don't remember. Uh, Henry and Sam. That's, that's who they. No, that's again. That, that I think that's that's a new thing where they're giving you perspective on the because the game makes the the all the other people that you come across almost like just deplorable people, right? Like yeah. This one's adding a little bit more. The show is adding a little bit more color to these people and saying these aren't exactly, there's shades of gray. These aren't exactly horrible people. I mean, they're doing horrible things, but they have their own potential reasoning for it. Yo, that lady don't fuck around, though. She's just executing people. You can tell she doesn't take no shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. I like the episode. It ends on a cliffhanger. I mean, you, you... I feel like Walking Dead like stole a lot of thunder from this because we've kind of, I feel like We've been through a lot of this stuff already. Yeah. Certain in certain ways, but um I'm still excited to see what happens. No, I like that moment where they're sleeping and he's like, We gotta look out for things. She's like, Infected? She goes, he goes, No. And then she goes, People? He's like, Yeah, I've seen some shit. So it's that thing where the people are worse. But I guess the next episode is gonna show us that fucking badass clicker. By the way, the next episode coming out early on HBO Max, Friday night, February tenth. Uh, because they want to avoid any conflict with the Super Bowl, 
Mm. They they're smartly putting it out on HBO Max smart. on Friday. So that's that's exciting. Uh, and also Pedro Pascal did a pretty funny episode of Saturday Night Live last week. Like you might have seen some of the sketches online. They there was a lot of good ones. They did a Mario Kart TV show like The Last of Us, like a gritty <laughs> post apocalyptic Mario Kart. That was pretty good. Uh, let me let me say this to Ruggs' point. I do agree that Walking Dead took a lot of thunder from this. Uh, yeah. But this just seems already to me like on another level. And I feel like just HBO's prestige for me is yeah. just carrying a lot of this too, where I'm just like, yeah, but it's HBO doing it. It's just it means more to me when HBO puts their their real weight. Not like something that's on HBO Max, but something that I know HBO them the studio itself yeah. is producing. <laughs> but, and it's definitely produced by them. No, I know what you're saying, but imagine that Walking Dead never existed. Oh, How much yeah. more oh, impact would it have? Right? Yeah, no, a, I agree with you for sure. Yeah, so yeah, they're doing it on a completely different level. They're doing it on a, such a grandiose scale, and um, yeah, it does feel more theatrical. So uh, yeah, it has all that going for it, and. These clickers and these monsters are a little bit more interesting. So you got that going Kathleen, for it. Kathleen, that's her name. Kathleen, don't fuck around. Are they uh, for the you guys? I've, it's, I've obviously played the game, but it's been a long time. That scene where they go into the room and they see like the rubble underneath and something underneath the rubble is that the giant? Well, yeah, is there a nest? What is that? Yeah. That's, that's the, the giant one, right? The giant. Yeah. Oh, thing. that's what's coming. The floor is going to collapse, and it's going to. That's crawl what's out. coming out next episode. They showed little clips of that. That looks awesome. Yeah, and she didn't tell anyone. She's just like steal the building. She's trying to find those two people uh, that must have ran off for some reason. That's not a big deal for her to. No, steal she's this. like, don't worry about this. Just close the door. It's fine. They're not going to get yeah. out. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna meet Henry and Sam. Yeah, dude, it's like you said, Anthony. Bloaters, right? The, Is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the, bi- the big ones. Big ones. Yeah. Oh, and the puns were kind of funny. That kept coming. Maybe some of them made me laugh. Uh, but yes, it's still it's prestige quality HBO fucking television. Five episodes left. Can't wait. Oh, I get to do a callback to Deer Hunter. What was oh. the the joke in the beginning? Uh, which one? There was the diarrhea joke at the end. No, there was one in the locker room. I forgot. Oh, man. That she said from the book? Yeah, he said, what did the Romans say to the prostitute? What? He was a gladiator. <laughs> he was glad- Wait, that was in the deer <laughs> hunter? Oh, yeah, my God. I, yeah. I totally forgot about that. He's glad. Oh, yeah, there's a- <laughs> Good callback. Good tie together. Rugs, what else did yeah. you watch? Anything interesting? Well, yeah, I watched stuff. Okay, oh, you watched stuff? Uh, look, you, go to, sorry, you never Rugs, watch you. things. I know. Go to rugs. So. Oh well, I watched. Uh, let's go with the like the, the shitty to the better one. I watched Cop Shop. What is what is Cop Shop? It's a it's a movie. I think it's on Peacock, and it, it was it came out like uh, it was it was all over the place, but like um, never in the theaters. I don't think. But it was directed by Joe Carnahan, oh. who did Smoke and Aces, yeah. I believe, and Crank. I'm not sure about that, but like uh, that's what I'm. My brain is telling me. And uh stars Frank Grillo. It's a Frank Grillo movie. Oh shit! Nice. Uh, Frank Grillo in in a, in a wig and a man bun. Okay. Uh, is a con man that gets locked up, and Gerard Butler is the hitman that they sent in to kill him. Okay. While he's locked okay. up. Okay. And um, basically, it all happens at this at this precinct was- where it becomes a war zone, 
And uh, yeah, lots of cops are getting killed. Sounds like a couple other movies that have done this kind of thing. Yeah, it's a very generic movie, but it's actually directed in a kind of fun way. And it, it it's a good time. Yeah, it's um, it's not quite a B movie. It's a little bit above a B movie, but uh, it was fun to watch. Not not a great movie. He, oh, Carnahan also did Boss Level with the Grillo. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, he did the AT movie and Smoking Aces narc uh okay so you'd recommend just for like a mindless good time yeah and then for not a mindless good time you should watch on hbo max the menu i recommend this oh yeah it's not people say it's amazing i don't think it's amazing but it's definitely entertaining i've been dying to watch yes i've been i only watched i only looked at my phone like twice is it a horror movie it's good um it is but it's not really it's there's horrible things that happen. There's deaths yeah. in it, but um, they're not like it's not like a slasher film or anything. Okay, like it's that. more of a thriller. It says horror thriller. Okay, it's like I want to see this. It's like an allegory. It's a statement on like being an artist or being a person that provides something. It's like what we do. They're basically talking about us. <laughs> okay. Like in, in one, in, not in the classist yeah. sense, because like they're they're. This movie is about class, classism, yeah. uh, but it would apply to any critique, uh, criti- critical type of a job. What, so what? where we like we criticize artists, right? right? Yeah, we yeah. criticize filmmakers yes. and um, we're never happy. And this, we, no matter what crazy things that they do, we're never so happy. What, so what's the premise? That's basically the premise uh, in a nutshell. There's a chef who is. Like the best chef in the world, he invites all these people to this like meal of a lifetime, and uh, basically he hates them all and for various reasons. And so it plays out. Uh, the rest of the movie plays out. I won't spoil what. Oh, happens, I gotta watch but, this. I'm gonna watch it. I heard it's good. Yeah. But basically, he has a big beef with people who uh, basically took all the love of cooking out of out okay. of him. Okay. Okay, I can see that. Okay. He wants he wants so, revenge. It's like Gordon Ramsay yeah. getting revenge nice. for like whatever. Ah. All right, Anthony, would you? But in a very but in a very methodical uh, kind of artistic way, diabolical even. Do- yeah, I would say so. But okay. you want to know something? The reality of this movie. That's why I don't love it. Is that in a real situation? I would have gotten the fuck out of there like so early on. I would have been like, all right, fuck this place and left. Aren't they on an island? How are you going to get off the island? There's a boat. (laughs) Swim. Just get out of the room where they can't get to you. You know, so, uh, yeah, (laughs) whatever. I would have fucked that place up. Anthony, what have you? You want something? I have. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, Just give me one second here. So. There's this show on Netflix. I don't know if you guys will like it or not, but I was turned on to it by one of my friends, and we're, they're all watching it. It's a Korean show, a Korean reality oh, show okay. called Physical 100. Okay. And it's, um, it gets released in segments, so I think by the, when the show comes out, episodes five and six will have been out. And what it is is it's... Do you guys remember the challenge from MTV? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the challenge meets, but it has a, a Squid Game vibe. No. Yeah. So it has Squid Game type vibe with the challenge, and it has 
100 of the best Korean athletes. It's basically the best 100 bodies in Korea in terms of like athletes. Oh my so god. It's like world-class judo players, world-class wrestlers, world-class actors with amazing bodies, bodybuilders, um uh like cycling, like all these gymnasts, uh, celebrities. Like it's like imagine if like LeBron James and uh, The Rock and uh, Vin Diesel and Brock Lesnar and Michael Phelps and Tiger Woods were all in a, a death game competition. Oh my god, that's what this, it is, but with Korean this celebrities. This sounds amazing. It's amazing. It's fucking People amazing. Are saying it's being described as Squid Game meets Gladiators, and like exactly, you watch, it's amazing. You watch this trailer. There's like a hundred dudes hanging from this grid, and then the floor just goes away, and there's exactly. water. And you gotta hang it's there. It's amazing. Fuck. And the, you have like the I love you have the Squid shit. Game type voice yeah. where like. They're all in a room, and all of a sudden, this disenchanted voice comes in and gives them their next mission. Oh my god, that's amazing! They got there's like the politics, but they're what's different is like there's the politics, but they're all I guess it's Korean culture. They're all really respectful. They're polite to each other. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. very nice. This looks great. I'm totally watching this. It's amazing. I love this shit already. Ah, I'm gonna check it out too. It's 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 real life Squid Game, um, but with real athletes, like real, and it's just it's just cool because they'll do like. It'll be like they had one where it was um, they did this one on one matchup where the the whole the whole premise of the game was you had to be the one with the ball at the end of three minutes. Okay, so it was just like one on one. Just hold on to the, out, hold on to the ball. Hold on, whoever keeps has the ball at the end, and it was like Shit. all these weird matchups. So it was like this heavyweight Korean Olympic wrestler. Versus this like jacked prison guard. Oh shit! <laughs> and the, oh, they have like, like they have like. Do they beat the shit out of each other, or what do they do? Well, they like they like wrestle, so you can't yeah. like punch each other, but they're like fucking grappling each other, trying to get yeah, the they're ball. lifting them up and tossing them. And oh, there's like special forces tackling. in the tournament, and like it's like what would happen if a of like a fucking trained ass firefighter went up against a um, judo. Olympic judo person this is, in this game. It's like real life like it, blood sport. Yeah, it's amazing. Awesome. That's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Cool. I gotta watch this. That's a great recommend. Any, any no no puppets in there? I guess. No, well, there's no yeah. the, the puppets aren't. But like the whole premise is like who has the best like actual in real life application body physique, right? For real yeah. real world mm. things. Is it gonna come down to one person at the end? Then yeah, to so win it, it goes from a hundred to one. Oh shit! How many episodes? So the first, Holy shit! Uh, the first uh, few episodes, they go from 100 to 50 right off the bat. Oh, shit. They cut it in half. And then the next challenge is 50 to 25. Wow. It's like yeah, Squid so Game. This is amazing. Yeah, it's just like Do Squid you get Game. your favorites or do you know? Oh, yeah. I have my favorites for sure. Okay. I don't want to spoil it, but I, I have my guys. Right. that I, I, I would There's so- guys that have been in the UFC that are in the tournament. Dude, okay. I would totally watch this as I watch dumb things like the floor is lava. I thought you were going to bring up. I thought Anthony was going to show talk about Milf Manor. <laughs> oh, no, it's no, called no, no. Milf Manor. What, what's it's that? amazing. I don't know. It's just you. You've seen this, Imran. No, I've seen the name, and I'm like, no. What oh, is this? Because everybody on Twitter is oh, talking, talking about, about Milf that's Manor. the big Netflix show. No, Physical 100 looks dope. I'm definitely putting this. I'm watching this. That's great. Yeah, and then you whoever wins wins like three hundred thousand dollars, three hundred million dollar won, which I think is like damn two hundred fifty thousand. I don't know what the exact numbers are. Real life Squid Game finally before season two comes back. Can't wait. We watch real life. Yeah, it's real, real life, life Squid it's, Game. Or if if it for americans it's like the challenge yeah but with not just celebrity like it'd literally be like the rock 
facing off against LeBron James. Like it's just, just I, I, I watch it and I'm like, this is fucking. Cool. <laughs> that's great. Leave it to the Koreans <laughs> to fucking do this. It, the only thing that's hard. I can say this because I'm, I'm part Asian, yeah. but it's hard for me to keep track of the names. <laughs> <laughs> Turn the captions on. Is it subtitled? No, they do have it subtitled. Okay. But it's just like because I don't, I didn't grow up in Korea as with these people as my athletes. Like it's hard for me to figure out who, what, like assign a name to a person. Eh, you'll get it eventually. There's like, but there's like, there's like reality show people in here, and then there's like dancers. Wow! With great wow! Bodies. Wow! And the firefighters and policemen and so prison guards. looking for the perfect and body. There's one guy that's like, he runs a car dealership, but he's just fucking jacked. There's one guy that's like the arm wrestling champion of the world. There's one guy that's like the world's strongest man in Korea. Jeez, it's it like, reminds it's me just of amazing. Ninja Warrior also where... Somewhat. Yeah, somewhat. yeah they, have, I mean, they, have a, they have They have a Olympian. That game where they're like hanging, like the, the Ninja yeah. Warrior people do really well. Yeah, because that's all grip strength, right? I would think at the end you're going to get like the well, the most well-rounded, not too big, not too small, just like perfect medium size with muscles would be the oh, one that would win. What's what's also really interesting is they have women in here, right? Yeah, competing against the, the men. But the women, like there's no, it's not women against women. Oh, shit. It's the women are going against the men. Wow. There's one where the fucking, this woman who's like a, an Olympic level wrestler or like a really good wrestler. So the one of the games, you'll see how they parse it out. But one of the challenges, the best fifty get to choose their opponent. Yeah, and they can check who choose a man or a woman. Oh, and this woman who's a wrestler chooses a fucking like two hundred and fifty pound rugby oh, man. Damn. <laughs> she's like, I want that badass. guy. I want to fight him. What a badass! <laughs> yeah, it's fucking crazy. Oh, that's a good recommend. I'm definitely checking that. That's gonna be a viral hit soon if people aren't watching it already. Yeah, my my buddy, one of my buddies, like turned me on to it and then i realized all my friends that like this kind of stuff were like oh we're all watching it like this is amazing all right i know what i'm doing now uh all right throw in the first episode and see what you think Oh, i'll probably get sucked in right away uh let's close out with this if you're watching the super bowl this week get ready to get a trailer palooza there are no less than 10 confirmed possibly 11 trailers oh shit to that are going to play so Movie studios have come back hard on the Super Bowl. They were kind of holding back the last few years. Not anymore. Here is the list. We're going to see trailers of, this is from Deadline, uh, Fast 10, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, The Flash trailer, as I mentioned before, Super Mar- the Super Mario Brothers movie, The Little Mermaid, Scream 6, Dungeons and Dragons, Transformers Rise of the Beast, Pixar's Elemental, and then question mark possibly looks at Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny, The Marvels, Creed 3, or John Wick 4 could be thrown in the mix. But, yeah, there's going to be a lot of trailers. So we, There's not going to be a Marvels trailer. No way. No, it's too early. Too early for that. We will uh, hey, we'll discuss it next week. It'll be like uh, San Diego Comic-Con with trailers. All, all the trailers that come out. All right. I'm looking for The Flash. That's yeah, The I'm... Flash and like Guardians hasn't put out a trailer, so that's interesting. Yeah, they did. No, I've seen the Guardians trailer. Oh, they trailer. did put out trailer. one, and Ant-Man has like one or two. So if it's something new, they did put out that one trailer. They usually put out all the trailers before the first half is over. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a lot to that's fucking shove guess. in there. Yeah. There's a lot to shove. Maybe they'll spread it out to get people watching. Why do they do that? Like, isn't Don't people always tune in for the last half? Well, they do that because this is just my working theory. I haven't researched this, but they do that in case the game is a blowout. Oh, 
Because if the game's a blowout, people are going to leave. People, no one will watch the rest. Oh, they're going to bail. So they got to shove in all the good stuff but prior with, to the half. But with these 10, like, you can't, I don't know, every, yeah, every break. Well, the trailers that they show aren't full trailers. Right. Like oh, yeah. They're 20 to 30 second teaser clips. Sometimes they're like, go visit YouTube for the full trailer. Right. They better show some full trailers. But yeah, we'll be, that'll be fun to watch. I got some squares from work, so I'm in. Win some money. Uh, okay, that's it for this week, Rugs. Where can the listener find you online? Find me on Twitter, chasing Elon uh, <laughs> at really rug boy. Floating over the country aimlessly, you will find rugs yeah, on Twitter. Sure. All bloated. Uh, link is in the show description as well as links to all the things. Way to get in touch. Subscribe to the show. Support the show. Most important thing, listener, you could do for us. Share the show. Send it to a friend right now in the app. Press that share button. Text it to someone. Thanks for listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's a nerd. We'll be next time. Fuck that show. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. I really don't give a shit. Fucking. <laughs>